ringing or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device. If you have a phone, please turn it off right now, just like I'm doing. Do not put it on vibrate because what will happen is it will come on and it will disturb the meeting. So please don't do that. Okay, the first item of business is uh, the call to order and roll call. President Gillespie. Here. Vice President Breslin. Present. Commissioner Benjamin. Here. Commissioner Onetto. Here. Commissioner Pack. Present. Commissioner Subal. Here. And we have a new commissioner, Commissioner Tom. Here. Okay, so um, the next item is staff reporting commissioner announcements, and um, we're going to hear the consent calendar first by agreement. But before we do that, um, I would just like to introduce um, new Commissioner Art Tom, and he'll give a brief uh, introduction of himself. He comes to us from the Assessment Appeals Board, so he is no stranger to uh, commission hearings, which is wonderful. Um, but obviously, the Taxi Commission is a very unique commission, as we all know and love it so much. So uh, he has been briefed on uh, the different issues that we will have here, and so he'll give a brief introduction of himself. Thank you, Jordana. And I just want to say what a pleasure it is here to be serving on the Taxi Commission as a neighborhood representative. Um, just a little bit about myself. I've been accused of being a community activist, but mostly I'm just working on things to try to improve the quality of life in the neighborhoods. And uh, most notably, the things that I've done are uh, established a safe neighborhood watch group and also started the uh, Friends of West Sunset Playground. And thinking about these quality of life things, uh, I think, and, and I think you all think that all people in the neighborhoods deserve to have reliable taxi service especially those who are in the uh, west side of town. And um, like Jordana said, I've, I've uh, been on the Assessment Appeals Board, so I'm no stranger to commission hearings, but I do have a lot to learn about the Taxi Commission. And I thank you in advance for your uh, patience and understanding as I get up to speed. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to working with my fellow commissioners, the commission staff, the hardworking people of the taxi industry and the general public. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so the first item that we'll call this evening will be the consent calendar. Um, so that is item six, which we'll move to the beginning. Um, so regarding the consent calendar, I'll just note right away that um, uh, a couple commissioners actually brought to my attention that there was an error in the minutes specifically on, um, let's see, it's page four of the minutes. The votes in the Rahimi cases one and two are not appropriately reflected, so we will be making those amendments. Uh, in addition, there's um, a spelling error on a particular individual's name on the notice calendar, but that doesn't really affect anything. Um, so that would be with regards to item A. Um, also, um, staff request to sever um, items E and F we have uh, the individual here. Okay. And I need to recuse on the entire Section D. Any other requests for severances or anything? Okay. We'll take public comment on the consent calendar. Uh, is there any public comment on the consent calendar tonight? Please just come up if there is. Oh, is my mic on? 
It says it's open. Okay, can you hear me? Is there any public comment on the consent calendar? Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. Um, let's just take these in order, then we'll go to the severances uh, at the end. So <coughs> we have the minutes, section B and section C, and we have a uh, revision to the minutes that will be included <coughs> in this motion. Is there a motion to approve? Motion. Second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion passes. Vice President Breslin. Yes, if I could have a motion to approve uh, Section D. I'll make a motion to approve. Any second? Second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? No. Okay, motion passes. Congratulations to uh, Vladimir Zoglo and Yakov Kovlowski. Are you here? Okay, Director Thigpen, uh, E and F. Yes. We have so, a memo on this. Is there a yeah, there's a memorandum um, for the consent calendar. It's right in front of the minutes. Um, it's in the, it's uh, listed under, actually. For the controller's report, or no? Yeah, hold on, sorry. Okay. You can never find it. Okay, it's actually right after um, the minutes, which are listed in about the middle of the packet. And uh, it's right after, it says agenda item six, and then it says memorandum. And the first part is just regarding the medallion applicants. Um, unfortunately, the emails that are referenced in it were attached in the wrong section. They should have been attached there, and they were attached in the staff report, so you'll have to flip back, so I apologize. Mm -hmm. So let's give a brief overview. We have Mr. Najdawi is here, um, Dean is here, and uh, Dean and I have been in contact, as you can see from the emails. Additionally, uh, we've, uh, he's been into the office several times, so he's here. Um, I laid out what, what the story with Dean is. Basically, yeah, just, just a second, Jordan. Yeah. I don't think any of us. That's right here. Are you finding it? No. Yeah. yeah, the emails are at the beginning under the staff report, and then the memorandum looks like this, and it's right after the minutes mm -hmm. in the, um, under agenda item six. It's like towards the back of the packet. Right here. Yeah. That's right here. Right here. Okay. Sure. Yeah, just share with me. So, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Everyone okay. all set? Okay, yep. sorry about that. Okay, so um, we have Dean here. Um, Dean is a potential medallion applicant. He applied for the medallion waiting list in 1994. His name came up for a ramp in 2006, but he never responded. So customarily, he was removed from the ramp list, as people do when they don't respond, or, or are rather. Um, but they stay on the list, right, because they are still on the list for a so-called regular or sedan medallion. He came up this year for a sedan medallion, and he received an offer letter. 
He declined to respond because, according to Dean, he believed that since the medallion had the condition of being hybrid or alternative fuel, he would be offered a so-called regular medallion if he refused to accept the alternative fuel medallion, despite, in the staff's view, clear language in his offer letter indicating that that wasn't the case, that this was the medallion that he was going to get. His name came up for removal on July 22, 2008. His friend arrived at the hearing. Most of you, except for those of you that are new, were present at that hearing. And he, except Commissioner Pack, you were not here. He asked, the friend asked that the removal be postponed because Dean was out of the country. So Commissioner Gillespie said, yeah, that's fine. Just postpone it. He's out of the country. Subsequently, I spoke to him at the office on September 10, 2008. He indicated to me he had never driven a taxi cab in San Francisco. I told him, you have no chance of obtaining a medallion under the current municipal police code. I told him I would speak to the city attorney about his case. Actually, however, he did appear on the September 9, 2008 calendar for removal. And it was my mistake. It was literally the next morning after the commission, and I didn't know that he had been on the calendar. So I told him, look, you can be on the next hearing. But I didn't know he had actually been removed at that time. He wanted to have the chance to make his case to you, and he's come here tonight to do that. He would like to make some statements regarding his fitness to receive a medallion. I advised him that the municipal police code and 30 years of law are to the contrary of his opinion. However, he was determined to avail himself of this opportunity regardless. So I have sent him various correspondence by email, and we've had many discussions. Dean is aware of the mountain he's facing in this regard. However, again, he would like to make some statements to you. So the only issue procedurally is that you have to vote, if you choose to do so, to reopen the vote to remove him and then vote again. So because those are the two votes you would have to undertake. So on procedural grounds, it might be appropriate to retract the original vote, but on substantive grounds as to whether we're going to remove him. Yeah, his microphone, Tamara, isn't working. Is this one working? Okay. All right. I think what we'll do is just allow you to have your say. I'll give you three minutes, and then we'll go from there. As Jordana mentioned, I was sent an offer letter back in June. Oh, excuse me. Back in May of 2008, and it does specifically say in the very first paragraph, if you're interested in obtaining and operating an alternative fuel, alternative fuel being in boldface, taxi cab medallion permit, please contact the taxi commission by June 11, 2008. This letter is your only notification, and that part clearly is stated in boldface and underlined. So I did completely understand that to be an offer for an alternative fuel medallion. However, what I wasn't aware of at the time is that that's the only medallion that is available currently. I wanted a conventional fuel medallion, which is apparently no longer available. Jordana informed me of that. So what I understood it to be is just like the offer for the taxi cab, the ramp vehicle. You can have one of these now. If you choose to have one of these now, you can take it 
and if you don't, then you'll remain on the list for the regular medallion. Um, so I understood this letter to be the exact same thing. And so I, uh, when I got a subsequent letter in June of 2008 saying that uh, there was going to be a hearing to remove my name from the list, I was kind of shocked. So I called uh, the commission or the, the office there, and I explained my confusion. And the person I spoke to said, yeah, that's the only thing we have now. And if you didn't respond, you know, tough for you. So... Um, so there was this hearing coming up, and I, again, as Jordana mentioned, I was going to be out of the country. I had already previously uh, bought a ticket to go overseas. Um, so I did send a friend in my place to, to explain my position and or uh, ask for a continuance. I, there was a continuance granted. I put it down. Um, and on the day that I thought the continuance was that, the eve, the day of the eve of the continuance, I went and I spoke to Jordana a bit and explained my situation. And... Uh, she said, uh, well, first of all, there's no hearing tonight on that, and I don't know how the dates got mixed up, um, but uh, I'll put you on the next hearing calendar. And in the meantime, since you didn't understand the letter, even though it was clear, you know, it's only fair that since you've been waiting this long that I'll go ahead and recommend that they, put your, that they send you out another offer letter. And I said, great, I appreciate that. And then I subsequently told her, explained to her that I didn't meet the driving requirement, the current driving requirement, which is true. Um, however, I do have some thoughts on that. But in any case... Um, they went ahead and, and uh, voted on it. If you have some thoughts on that, you should give it to us in the next 30 okay. seconds. Um, basically, I, I, I've been waiting, you know, 14 years for this medallion. Um, I put my application in, as she mentioned, back in 1994. Um, you know, I'm the sole breadwinner for my family and my parents. And, you know, I was counting on this. And, you know, being as how you never know when your name is going to come up, you don't know when you need to start driving in order to go ahead and fulfill the driving requirement. So it's, it, it, it's kind of... Thank you. What do you do for a living? Uh, currently, I manage gas stations. Have you ever been a cab driver? No, I have not. Okay. And no. you were offered a ramp medallion and you turned it down, and you were offered a hybrid tax and you turned it down, and you've never been a cab driver. This is correct. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any questions. Well, you're aware that the driving requirement... Uh, requires you to be driving for a number of years, not just a year or six months that we could give you a waiver for, for up to a year. But uh, the fact is that without ever driving, even if there was a regular medallion for you to get right now, you've been out of touch with what the requirements have uh, changed. So you wouldn't qualify any way, shape, or form now for at least four or five more years. Uh I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. I think, I believe, and I, I have to look this up, I haven't in, in all honesty. At the time when I first signed up, and I know there's been some kind of like retroactive uh, uh, regulation placed on it, but when I initially uh, submitted it, was either there was either a, a no driving requirement or, what, or a 12-month driving requirement it's at the year. time. I'm sorry? One year. It was one year? Okay, great. So it was a one-year driving requirement. Um, and I have all I ask, and I, I realize that I'm, I'm out of compliance, but I do ask, you know, I'm at your mercy, but I do ask that um, I be allowed to be put back on the list, satisfy my driving requirement as it was when, when I first applied, and then be reconsidered once I've fulfilled that driving. I have no problem okay. with fulfilling it and continuing it. It's okay. just. Are there any other questions? My only question is procedural as to whether. Due process requires us to actually 
retract the original one based on notice requirements, even if I intend to remove him from the list in the subsequent vote? I would prefer that you did because I told him that he would be heard and have the opportunity to be heard, and I try to stand by that. And if I've made a clerical error, which is my mistake to not look at the agenda when he was in there the next morning. So I'd prefer that you did because we try to treat everyone with that concern. That would be my – I would support a motion to retract the previous vote if that was made, and we'll go on to the next item. I'll second. I can't make a motion, but you can make that motion. I'll move. Is there a second? I'll second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Okay, next item. So the next item is item F on the consent calendar. Is there any other discussion on this? Any other discussion on this before we have a motion? I mean, I think it's clear that without a lot of discussion that this gentleman clearly doesn't meet the driving requirement and has never attempted to be a cab driver to meet that requirement, so it's sort of pointless to leave him on the list. Do I have a motion? I'll make a motion to remove him. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Next item. The next item will be consideration of the controller's report on San Francisco gate and meter fees, and we have some special guests here from the controller's office. We have Rick Wilson and I'm sorry? Kurt Fuchs. Okay. And so they're going to give a presentation, and then we'll have ample opportunity for discussion, commentary, and more. So they have a PowerPoint. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, the eye in the sky watches, and then it puts on, it knows what we're doing. Yeah, they are aware of what's happening. Oh, boy. We're going to be here for a while. We're going to be here for a while. We've got something. Great. Thank you. Commissioners, Kurt Fuchs representing the controller's office. I'm the senior economist in the Office of Economic Analysis, and I'm here to present our summary conclusions that were contained in the September 29, 2008, taxicab industry report put out by the office of the controller, which I believe you all have a copy of.
Brady. The reason for this report, first of all, every two years the Comptroller's Office is charged with making adjustments to the taxi gate cap and fare charges to reflect cost of living increases and to maintain driver and company income. As I mentioned, the Comptroller's report was issued at the end of September, and this presentation summarizes the conclusions of that report. This slide actually represents the first step in our analysis, which was to calculate and adjust taxi cab fees and fares based on inflation since the last time fares were adjusted some two years ago in November of 2006. This slide shows the automatic inflationary adjustments to fares and gate fees based on the increase in inflation or the consumer price index between November 2006 and August 2008. As indicated, CPI increased about 7% since November 2006, and applying this factor to the 2006 rates results in the following gate and cap fares that are highlighted in that little table in the middle. And just quickly to summarize some of the high points, there's been a slight increase to the gate fee cap from $96.50 to $98, about a 1.5% increase. The flag drop increased from $335 to $360, an increase of 25 cents above the inflationary adjusted flag drop of $335. And mileage fees increased from $45 to $50, as well as the wait time. The second slide here shows, well, actually let me go back to the previous slide. And the point here is that the standard inflationary adjustment of 7% gets you to a certain level, but because of the increases in gas prices since 2006, the automatic CPI inflation adjustment will not maintain driver income after adjusting for inflation. Thus, in addition to the automatic CPI adjustment, further, in addition to the automatic CPI adjustment, further fare increases are required to offset higher fuel costs paid by the drivers. And we'll get to that in this next slide, which shows that in addition to the CPI adjustment, the controller recommends a surcharge to reflect the higher cost of fuel and to maintain driver income after inflation. The controller reviewed changes to the price of gasoline since the last fare increase in November 2006 and found that Bay Area gas costs have increased by some 69%. Now, a combination of the higher gas prices and higher gate fees have reduced average driver income by 15% since the last fare increases went into effect in November of 2006. As previously discussed, the automatic CPI increases for fare is insufficient to maintain driver income after inflation. What we did here is we, one of the options was to increase the flag drop by 25 cents per flag drop, basically, in addition to the CPI increase, which would raise driver income by some 9%. We'll get into that in a little bit more detail later. But it's in line with the 7% increase needed to keep pace with inflation. 
So basically the gist of this slide is that the controller's office recommends an increase in the flag drop from 335 to 360. Now with that change or with those proposed changes, the top two lines of this chart show the recommended CPI adjustment plus the fuel surcharge on the top line and showing what the flag drop mileage and waiting time would be compared to each point when fares have been adjusted on this biennial basis. As indicated, overall the rate would increase about 12% in an average fare compared to the current rate, which were last increased in November 2006. This next slide shows how San Francisco fares rank both locally and some of the bigger cities across the country. So for comparative purposes, we sampled the rates of other regulated jurisdictions and found that many jurisdictions have recently raised their taxicab rates of fare largely in response to higher gas prices. San Francisco rates are now in the middle of those sampled but among the lowest of neighboring Bay Area cities. And even if the highest recommended supplemental fare increase for fuel costs is adopted by policymakers, San Francisco's average fares will still be less than those in San Jose and other small Bay Area cities. And if you look on this chart, the proposed San Francisco rate with the CPI and fuel surcharge is there below San Jose, Boston, and L.A., higher than Oakland, New York, Houston, and Chicago. This next slide goes over basically some of our demand findings and summarizes them. We analyzed various factors impacting demand for taxi service from both residents and visitors. And these factors included changes in population employment, SFO employments, and occupied hotel room nights, among others. Based on different scenarios that approximate the demand for taxicabs between residents and non-residents, which comprise business and tourist fares, we estimate an increase of about 3 to 4 percent in 2008 from 2000 levels, as shown. This is evidence of robust growth in demand, although below the 2000 levels. But the point here is that the projected demand growth we feel is sufficient to absorb the recommended fare and fee increases. The next part of our analysis was to look at operating company financials to kind of gauge the overall health of the industry. As in the past, the controller's office uses taxicab operating company financial information to assess the overall fiscal health of the taxicab operating companies. The numbers are aggregated to ensure that operating companies' particular financial information remains confidential. And the results of our analysis are summarized in this slide. A couple things to note here is that we noted that the format and level of detail of financial reports submitted by operating companies varied greatly and made an in-depth analysis of the data difficult. As in the past, many companies submitted copies of tax returns or unaudited financial statements that did not contain sufficient detail to compare operating expenditures and revenue figures across companies. So in the future, the controller's office will request that operating companies submit 
audited financial reports in a uniform format displaying specific expenditure and revenue information to ensure greater accuracy and consistency in the calculation of gross revenue and net income per unit. And we're talking the next report in some two years' time. This next slide gives an example of our calculation of the net income that drivers would receive, assuming kind of the average fare and number of fares per 10-hour shift. So the top of the spreadsheet looks at the revenue generated per shift, and below is all the expenses comprised, you know, weighted to include gasoline, powered vehicles, alternate fuel vehicles, and so forth, depending on the mix of the fleet right now, to get sort of a weighted average fuel cost per medallion, I guess. And as you see, the first column is in November 2006, so that's what the last fare increase and gate increase reflects. In August 2008, the second column shows some of the increases with the gate fee. Then CPI adjustment only, which is our 7% increase to the fare and other revenues, shows that down below the driver's income per shift would be only about a 6% increase over the November 2006 rate, whereas if you included that fuel surcharge of the extra quarter per the initial flag drop, that driver income would increase to a 9% increase compared to the November 2006 recommendations and codified rates and fares. So basically the point of this is that, as you recall, we said 7% inflation in the past two years. That alone results in only a 6% increase in driver income when, for parity there, it should be more in line with 7%. With the higher fuel surcharge, you get up to an increase of about 9%, which is more in par with the inflation that we've experienced in the past couple of years. This last slide shows basically several scenarios on average fares, kind of hypothetical, either a cross-country or cross-city cab ride, a paratransit service, a short trip, or an airport scenario with both the current rates, the automated CPI-adjusted rates, the CPI-adjusted rates with the fuel surcharge, and then the last couple of columns are calculating the difference between the current 2006 rates and what we're recommending as a CPI adjustment and fuel surcharge flag drop rates. So basically, in addition to the automatic inflation adjustments, as I've already said, policymakers should consider authorization of a fuel surcharge of 25 cents added to the flag drop. If these changes are implemented, average fares would change according to the schedule on this slide here. 
And as you can see, the impact on the various scenarios is shown, and we note that an average fare increase of 11 to 14 percent on these kind of different fare scenarios would be indicated, and that's on the consumer end. Finally, that concludes the presentation. Rick Wilson and the controller staff and myself are available to answer any questions you might have. On the paratransit section, you sort of skipped over that. Do you want to say something about the effect on the increases on the paratransit budget? Defer to my colleague, Rick. Okay. Because that always is going to come up. Yeah, we did look at the effect on paratransit. That's on page 17 of the report, and it looks like based on our analysis that these adjustments would increase the cost of paratransit. Obviously, the average fare would go up somewhere between $770,000 and $950,000. So it is a big impact on the paratransit program that would have to be funded, either as in the past with some kind of adjustment made to, I guess it was the gate. Am I saying that right? Yeah, we actually kind of got rid of that concept because we didn't want to, given that the city is already getting such a great deal from the taxi industry on paratransit service, we didn't feel like cab drivers should be paying the paratransit budget. So we eliminated that $1.50 surcharge. And, you know, the deal was made then that paratransit should budget for whatever the meter says, and that's what they need to budget for. Right. So then the program would have to go out and find another source of funding, either from MTA. Yeah, that's the big question. Okay. So the net effect is somewhere between $700,000 and $900,000 a year. That's based on statistics from the paratransit program about average numbers of fares over the past few years. Okay. Okay. I commend the professionalism and quality of this work. It's very good analysis. The role of the Taxi Commission here tonight is to hold an informational hearing and have this be disseminated to the public. Ultimately, you might want to, Jordana, do you want to go over the process of how this would or would not take effect? Yeah. So in the code, it references in November, well, it references several deadlines, August 1st being the first deadline that the controller would actually have the report produced by. Unfortunately, as we all know, sorry, guys, but you didn't make the cut for August 1st. The report was not out by August 1st. All the deadlines were pushed forward. The controller's office and my office asked for an opinion from the city attorney's office on this issue, and it's my understanding from preliminary conversations, and it's pretty clear that all the deadlines have been pushed forward, you know, the requisite amount of days. So they're basically about 30 days apart. So what happens is that the increase, the CPI increases, recommendations would automatically take effect if no member of the Board of Supervisors or I think even the mayor can hold a public hearing on it. That's unlikely to happen, but it might happen. So if nobody at the legislative branch wants to hold a hearing on it, then the increases will automatically take effect. It's not clear whether or not that will happen at this time, but this hearing is the first stop along the way to be certain. It would no longer take effect on November 1st, though. Definitely not going to take effect on November 1st. So, like, I did receive a phone call from Weights and Measures. They were very concerned that they'd have to get 1,500 cabs in and get the meters redone, you know, within a matter of, you know, two weeks, and that's absolutely not going to be the case. No increase will take effect automatically on November 1st. 
all of the deadlines are pushed forward. So the question now simply becomes um, whether or not the board will hold a hearing. If the board, the board does hold a hearing, then it will review the recommendations at that time. Okay. Are there any other questions on the report before we go to a public comment on this? I do have one question. Mr. Arnetto. Thank you very much. It's very, it's, it's too informative almost. <laughs> but my question is, what was the justification of increasing the, the gate fee? Because they already received an increase the, um, this last March. The code actually requires that all the gate fees and the fares all be uh, adjusted for CPI automatically. So um, I think it was 9150 at the last increase in November 2006. It was just increased in August. But to get it up to the full CPI adjustment, it would have to be increased another $1.50. So that's strictly a CPI base. Yeah, that's, I mean. Just like the meter recommendation, which was sort of the idea, was to take this out of the realm of politics right. and subjectivity and all that stuff. So that's that's on the table. That and, and that's what would go automatically into effect. And my understanding is the date is now January 15th if the board doesn't act, right? So, um, and that's what would go automatically into effect would be our recommendation on the CPI. But for the um, fuel surcharge, that wouldn't go auto automatically into effect. Okay. And I have a question about the CPI. Um, forgive me for asking this. You probably know right off the top of your head, but is it a local CPI? Is it a county CPI? What is the CPI based on? Because it seems so high to me. Well, it's over almost two years, so it's like 3.5%. Uh, that's what I was looking for, more the 3%. So it's over a couple of years. Yeah, it was so from the period of November 2006 through August 2008, okay. and it's for the San Francisco um, MSA, I believe. Thank you. Um, as you know, the level of volatility in oil prices has been pretty astounding in 2008. So my question is, what... What gas price did you use when you came up with your recommendation for the fuel surcharge? Because I noticed 4.15 is referenced, which is probably about 25 cents more than drivers are paying today. Right, and we looked at that issue. I mean, and if you look back, you know, we have historical, you know, weekly average prices that we looked at and referenced for the purposes of this report and look at a four, you know, basically a month average. Um, the month that the report was issued, which was we used August data for the September uh, report. You know, since then prices have come down a little bit, but you know they were they were higher six months ago. So we you know we didn't use the four dollars and sixty cents or four dollars and fifty cent numbers that it had gotten up to. Have you thought a about a fuel surcharge that is strictly tied to the price of gasoline that would fluctuate according to the price of gasoline? That would be something that could would be separate from this whole CPI increase stuff because, you know, gasoline is so volatile and otherwise we're going to go up for two years before there's another recommendation on the meeting. Right, and, and I think that was one of the recommendations of this report was that when the, if the price of gasoline went up and sustained, you know, above the next dollar amount, which would be $5 in this case and was there for a number of weeks, then we would that would trigger, or it was one of our risk mitigations, you know, to maybe look at that as, you know, rather than waiting two years to maybe have mm -hmm. that, um, you know, refine these. Uh, I think I read of some jurisdiction market. that had figured out a formula for how they were going to raise their fees based on the price of gasoline, and, and I just, it could be 
some things that we might want to look into at some point. Um, you did start to address the whole clean taxi thing, which is, you know, we're all very proud of how we're doing that, and we think that that's going to save drivers money. You, um, did you, because I noticed you, you said that the cost of fuel was going down, but you didn't give a change in the mile, average miles per gallon between 06 and 08, and there actually has been probably a, an increase in the average miles per gallon because of the hundreds of uh, hybrids that we put out there. So right, and I think, I mean, that, that spreadsheet that I showed that had, that, that illustrated driver profitability, mm -hmm. it had a, it, it kind of weighted the cost of fuel to the driver based on the composition of the fleet right now, taking into account the CNG vehicles, the hybrids, and then just straight gasoline. So that's a weighted, it's kind of a fleet it's average. A you try to, to quantify how much one driver is saying saving versus another it averages for okay the industry all right you'd see on the uh, table j that the average fuel economy went up from 15.5 to 17.4 okay um, from 2006-2008 and the and we did incorporate cngs in there based on information that jordana gave us about how many cng and hybrid vehicles okay good so the you're doing that those calculations excellent any other questions before we go to public comment Anyone want to weigh in? And we'll have, these are just questions now. We'll have some deliberation afterwards. So thank you. You can hang on and listen to the, what the public has to say, hopefully. Um, I guess have people, why don't we just line up to speak? I'm sure you've filled out cards, but I'll also just take anybody who wants to line up. We can do it efficiently that way. How long would you like to uh, reserve? Two minutes. So please, anybody who wants to speak about this controller's report can just line up. Just come right up. Thanks. I'm Dave Barlow. I'm with UTW. And speaking for myself, um, the I won't use the arithmetic, but just the, the things that I think should go into the um, coming to a conclusion. It's been a while since we've had a meter increase. Um, the um, we pay much more for gas now than we had before. Uh, there's cost of living and there's inflation. I think that inflation will be rising given the, the state of the economy. Um, I think that there, the Ford sedans are going to continue in service. There's still a lot of Ford sedans in service. Those are expensive to operate. It's been a slow change over to the fuel efficient cabs. And also some of the approved vehicles for use as taxis are not very fuel efficient. So those are the things that we'll be paying. Um, I would say 10%. Um, it has to go at least 10% higher. And, and there's another part that I would like to convey that that's part of the, the consideration is that you ought to give attention to the monthly medallion fee. That's putting pressure. There's there's no regulation of the medallion fee. That's putting pressure on the on the driver's gates, and it puts pressure on the taxi meter. And if we want to control the meter rates, we have to look at placing a limit on the medallion fee. And thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Always. Wow. 
Butt-hazel but corn, uh, United Taxi Cab Workers. This business of responding to inflationary trends with inflationary solutions is bad business for cabs and bad policy for riders. Now, the fact that these increases that we're talking about are fairly benign mitigates uh, my opposition, but what is important is that all of these figures were calculated prior to, look, to what looks like to what looks to be one of the worst winters on record. They're talking about this being a, a, a recession and a depression comparable to 1929. So all of these figures were calculated prior to that. And yet, uh, anyhow, we have consistently avoid uh, each time this, these issues come up the true answers to uh, um, taxi uh, income and uh, um, here we, there's no reason to believe that we'll escape the severe, this severe economic downturn that, uh, um, that I just mentioned. Uh, we'll see uh, a loss of business and tourist uh, traffic and with a direct impact on cab driver uh, revenue. The answer to that is not the same knee-jerk inflationary responses. All we get with that is more pain and fewer riders. Uh, I suggest that we look for once to the public benefit and base our, our decisions upon that. And what does that mean? It means that we stop throwing away uh, company profits on special interest groups, in particular uh, medallion holders uh, uh, who are getting a free ride off the public dole. That money represents at least $30 million a year that we're not looking at at all, even as we're very careful to make sure that we don't raise the uh, 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 the uh, meter too much, uh, to uh, you know, uh, compared to uh, uh, the ga the gas prices. In any event, you can't say anything in two minutes. But uh, I highly uh, I highly recommend we start looking at uh, medallion and uh, start capping those monthly fees. Next speaker. Thank you. First question, why don't we get three minutes instead of two? Is that some sort of arbitrary number that just came up or what? There's not a big line there. I'd like to bring up the, for, as a beginning here is that I can respect the, the fine numbers that we got from the controller's office. Obviously, we have some fine accountants here. But we don't need a report that basically belabors what's already in the newspapers that the peninsula is substantially higher than any taxi firm in San Francisco and their fees are substantially lower and while this taxi commission sits here and I don't know what how and you handle the board of supervisors in terms of the increases their costs are going down while the cab drivers costs in San Francisco are going up we're all familiar with CPI indicators but they don't take in housing costs in San Francisco which are the highest in the nation and also, a lot of these figures are based on the fact that the Goldman Report and several other city reports are basically fraudulent when it comes down to actual taxi cab driver income. What a lease paying driver makes, what a medallion owner makes versus a medallion holder that drive makes. We have no differentiation between any of the incomes. And I can tell you as a driver that has not owned a medallion for 10 years, I don't make anything close to any report this city's ever produced. And those are facts. There's nothing to document income and how the controller's office comes up that an inflation rate relative to some figure in time that has something to do with inflation today when there isn't a taxi driver in this city that has medical, that has unemployment, that has grievance procedures, and you come on with a report here that doesn't lead the curve, it follows the curve. 
Everybody is up but us. You keep diluting the commission or the income of taxi drivers by adding more fees. You keep rewarding the medallion holders and the taxi firms by raising their gate fees. Well, we make less and less. And you don't quite understand it. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. decisions and start and be a little more intelligent than most of the commissioners here because their decisions have been detrimental to most of the cab drivers in this town. My concern is, is this, is that um, why are we only given two minutes considering the seriousness of this issue and we've waited two and a half months for this report. In fact, the controller offers you an apology and, and should explain why they're this late considering that cab drivers need this increase and have already should have gotten it. Yes, gas prices have come down somewhat, but how much have they lost so far since, since gas prices went up at the early of this year tremendously? And also remember that 69, all the 69 cabs have not come out in the street, and the fact that the economy is still, the effect has still not, not uh, been affected yet in this winter may be problems. I, th I urge you to support the recommendations except for the gate increase because they already got the gate increase. And, and so, and so to, to uh, now raise that at the point without making sure that there's enough income for the drivers, we don't know the effect of this, of this meter increase yet. And I think people will still take cabs, particularly that Muni is still not reliable, particularly in the evening and weekend hours. And I, I think, I think, and I think to, to be remiss for you at this point, not to let this meter increase go through and, and let the drivers make some money. And also, it affects the fact of how they provide service. They're not getting paid well. They're not making a lot of money on a fare. Do you think they're going to provide good service? But getting paid well equals good service. And you know that. A waiter getting paid well in a restaurant or a bellman at a hotel getting paid well is going to provide better service than somebody who's getting paid poorly. And, and it, may, it may even prevent some of the illegal activities that have been going on in this industry. And Sergeant Reynolds won't have to come before you and spend two hours explaining all the problems we've had with the drivers and the illegal drivers in town. So I urge you tonight to please pass this, or at least let this go through, and urge the board to let this fare increase happen. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next speaker. Carl Mike Murrow, representing the Medallion Holder Association. I want to welcome the new commissioner. Um, it's, some of the people are attacking the medallion holders yet again, and I usually don't respond, but the people with medallions have mostly sacrificed their whole career to get to this point. We make just over $20,000 a year before taxes off the medallion for, in exchange for having the permits operate continuously and actually running the industry. I think there's a lot of pure jealousy and bitterness, and it's sad to see. Uh, regarding the controller report, um, I want to thank the controller for the report and uh, urge you to adopt the recommendations. Thank you. Thanks. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners Martin Smith. Uh, this controls report is a very good report, and I'd like to speak about uh, the thing is that we were talking about the paratransit. Uh, so there's going to be quite a big, uh, you know, uh, large uh, large amount of money being added to the paratransit. And the thing is, is the paratransit uh, contract coming up for bid right now? And if so. The, the, the people that are going to bid on it and the people who win the bid should bid accordingly with these, with these, the new, all these new numbers in it. So they, uh, so they know that, 
and uh, think about the meters and the uh, about the meters. The meters won't. All there is is an adjustment to the meters done by the, uh, an outside company. And the next time around, when the meters come up for inspection, you know they'll, the the the, the uh, weights and measures will check the meters and check and they check the seals. And that's it. It'll come up in the next round of of uh, meter inspections. So that's. Thank you. Anyone else? Good evening, Commissioners. Good evening, Tom. Welcome here. I'm, my name is Bashir Rahim. I'm an ex-cab driver. Uh, for months and months and months, we come here and are asking you to increase, rather to Jordana, tech pens to harassing the cab drivers. You're supposed to have done this kind of job a month ago. Now this thing is done. We appreciate it for this two gentlemen coming here and do this kind of activity. Please make him tonight some kind of movements. We are hurting really bad. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker, go ahead. Someone. <coughs> Commissioners, um, I guess I have a little different take than most of the people in, uh, running cab companies. I think that these recommendations of the controller should be taken as a reference. I'm particularly concerned right now heading into uh, what, what looks like it could be a very severe recession that we increase the, uh, the price of the fare um, and put pressure on the, the taxi cab riding community. Um, I, I don't know exactly. Obviously, we're all, we're all wondering what's going to happen, so, but that is a concern. That said, um, I do think it's important to note that, the, that both the gates and the meter are not currently keeping up with the cost of inflation. And if we do make an adjustment, I would like to make two suggestions. It, it, it slightly approached this slightly differently. Number one, I, I think that what we what we could do in terms instead of raising the meter is offer some kind of offset or surcharge for radio service. If we do that, I, one thing we know in this community right now is that the radio customers are being under, underserved, particularly during busy times. And I think. If we rewarded the companies that built the infrastructure for radio service, rewarded the drivers that picked up radio calls, that would begin to shift that balance. And, uh, and I think in that way, by rewarding those drivers and rewarding those companies, we would be doing something positive for the taxicab community. In addition, I think rather than having a, a uh, gate increase, I would hope that we would consider the possibility of increasing the surcharge or offset for hybrid vehicles thereby encouraging companies even more to make this difficult trans transition and also uh, putting those companies that are making that trans tra transition in a better position uh, over the companies that haven't made that decision. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Nai Malik, a cab driver for almost 20 years in San Francisco. Commissioners, 50 cents on the flag drop is not going to solve the matter. 50 cents increase on the flag drop means 80 pickups in one shift to cover the loss. You can do possibly 80 pickups in one shift. The San Francisco cab is already very expensive. People of San Francisco don't want to pay the meter increase. Meter increase means less rides and less tips in the end, cab driver will be the loser. Since November 2006, we are paying almost double the gasoline price. 
Recently, the gateway increase gave the cab company $10 for the regular cab and $25 for the clean air taxi a day for two shifts. If you multiply with 1,500 cabs, you will be shocked to know how much more money they are making for a day since the uh, gate increase. In this report, $1.50, that means $4,500 more a day to the cab company pockets. In the other hand, the cab drivers are paying $30 more for the gasoline and 10 to $25 more for the gate fee, in my opinion, if you do two things, decrease the gate fee $10 and be required the cab companies to pay the 50% of the gas at least, then we don't need a major increase. I'd like to welcome uh, the new commissioners and thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Next speaker. Commissioner, the new commissioner, I'm Jim Gillespie with Yellow Cab. Um, I guess my, my comments basically are, is just really has to do with uh, why I think that these recommendations should be adopted. Uh, over the last several years, several years ago, when they recommended that we use a CPI uh, as the gauge for increase for uh, you know gate and, and, and fare and so forth, that that was that was what we would do. In the last few years, we haven't followed that. And then so you end up having, uh, you know, the companies coming up and uh, off times asking for an increase and everything. I think this is a the opportune time to finally get back on track where we should be and take the politics out of it, take everybody's, you know, various opinions uh, out of it. You know, you know, companies are also seeing their, uh, you know, costs you know, skyrocket on all the bills that we're paying. So we start to argue that. But, I, you know, I also, you know, know what it's like out there for the drivers. And I think to go to and deal with the uh, controller's report and do that finally this year, which we haven't been doing, do that again in, in 10, 12. And then that's the way that this was set up to take the politics and all the various opinions out of it. So I would recommend that the, uh, we adopt the recommendations of the controller's office and uh, do what uh, was recommended uh, several years ago by the Board of Supervisors. and something that you know, we've been off track here for a while. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Rue Grafis. I'm with the United Taxi Cab Workers. We've been talking about the gate increase of $5. It's actually more like $12.50 for the hybrids. Let's be real. The cab companies are making a pile of money already off the hybrids. The gate increase they got was more than what a hybrid costs, more than the rest. The gate increase, if this thing goes on for six months without the meter increase, cab drivers will be paying about $2.5 million to the cab companies without a meter increase. Is that right? The other thing I'd like to talk about is the paratransit cost to, to the Muni. I was just at the paratransit office, um, office today. They're giving a... Um, they're teaching the cab schools how to talk about the debit card. The debit card is going to go into a pilot program in November. They expect the rest of it to go, you know, citywide shortly thereafter. 
that is going to dramatically decrease paratransit's cost. Paratransit pays $100,000 a year just to print the taxi script. If their costs are going up by $200,000 for this extra meter increase, their costs went down by $100,000 just because they don't have to pay to print the stuff anymore. And there's other cost savings as well. It's going to decrease the excessive tipping that some people illegally do with the paratransit script, and it's going to tighten up the whole program. So my guess is Muni isn't going to lose a penny on this. Thank you. A little clarification on the hybrids. A hybrid can cost about three times as much as what we've been paying uh, for conventional cars. The $7 that drivers pay is offset by enormous gas savings, and I would estimate that it, uh, even with paying an extra $7 a shift, uh, the average driver is making an extra uh, 10 to $15 a, a shift, and I would say that's a pretty conservative estimate. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. This is great reports. Thank you very much for the reports. It, is, it will give some relief to the drivers. It is long-weighted, but it is not enough, and it will be highly appreciated if the gas surcharge will be increased. Thank you. Because we are paying extra money for the increased gas from our pocket, so that it will be highly recommendable for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Tamara, can you just leave out the words on this one? Meaning cronies. Um, two minutes is generous for this commission, by the way, I'd like to add. I think this taxi commission is out of politics, hardly. First, I love Fiona Ma. Where's the camera? I love you, Fiona. Uh, you're my hero. Uh, with, we don't need you to adopt this. It's automatic. Okay, you need to... The, you need to do the increase, the other one. Uh, San Francisco is, uh, uh, would be solely in the hands of the uh, driver representative, Paul Gillespie, the head of this commission, if it wasn't for Fiona Ma. Um, I'd like the screen available if possible. Uh, clearly, the controller's report does not give a complete picture of the taxi demand. 40,000 to 50,000 customers weekly was a rough estimate, a guesstimate, if you will. In 2000, uh, in 2002, the average driver had 20 trips daily, not 15. The estimate of 15% loss of income for drivers is a very low one when you consider what wasn't factored in, like an 8.4% 8 increase in the supply of cabs uh, used by the controller to justify an increase in 07 and 08 that was never approved. Okay? Uh, also not factored in was the increase in empty office space. 2.1% this year over last. An increase in muni ridership that takes away from taxi service. An increase in auto use. A biannual dispatch report that's missing that reflects 24% of the taxi business. 6% of the taxi business is airport business. 20%, seven, excuse me, 70% are flags. And clearly, not all the tourists take taxis. In my surveys, which you have copies of, by the way, 56% take taxis as a mainstay. 
As for SFO, I wonder what the departure rate from hotels to the SFO is. Surely that's not factored in. San Francisco is supposed to be one of the most walkable cities in the world, here in the United States, and not included considering the fair comparison. A fair comparison without surcharges, without peak rates, and without gates from other cities is hardly a fair comparison. That's F-A-I-R. Thank you very much for a clerical error. I don't want you to make that one. Okay. Thank you. Next speaker. Is there anyone else? By the way, my name is Peter Witt. Hi. That's all I have time for. Tariq, are you speaking? Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood, driver at Jello Cab. First of all, we welcome Mr. Arthur Tom. We do have a lot of Chinese, Russian, and Indian drivers, and we'd like to see the change. As regard to this report, Mr. Rick Wilson, one time I yelled at him, why the drivers are not getting increase. Finally, a report came out. So yelling is working a little bit. Thank you very much, Mr. Rick and Mr. Kurt, for making wonderful report. Looking at all that, there are many points. Somebody can create negatives, negatives. No, it's a positive report. It will increase the driver's income about 20 trips a day on base of that under his shift with this increase of 25 cents on the mile, 5 cents on the one-fifth. So it will increase his income about $20 on that side, another $5 on the gas surcharge. It's wonderful to have $25, whereas the gas prices right now are coming downward. As talking about depression and recession, this is not the world which was 1929, 1929, United States was alone in the world. This is a global economy, and in this economy, 1.4 billion people of China and 1.3 billion people of India. Nearly 40% population of the world is on the roll now in joining this economy, buying and selling all the stuff which we used to buy over here. There's no possibility of recession. There will be slowdown. The government has put roughly about a trillion dollars in the last few weeks into liquidity of the markets. Markets will, have, will get some pressure, but they will be okay after a while. That's what happened at 9-11. The country was in a totally desperate situation, but deficit spending at that time put the country back on the track. So be optimistic, be hopeful. Thank you very much. Thank you. If there's anyone else that wants to speak uh, after Mark, could you come up? Okay. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. Mark Ruberg. Uh, good evening to the new Commissioner, uh, Arthur Tom. Uh, I speak here um, for myself. I just want to make a few observations uh, on the report and on some of the comments that have been made. Um, I, I think the recession is uh, coming, and I think it is of serious concern, and I am concerned about the timing of a meter increase. But that hand has been played by the fact that the city has already approved a gate increase, and drivers have been paying out of their pockets uh, that extra money to cab companies without any compensation for themselves. So unfortunately, um, I, I think the die is, is cast on this, and uh, this is the time uh, for um, a meter increase. Uh, I don't think there should be any additional gate increase. Um, 
I understand that the controller needs to write a report, you know, constrained by the provisions of the code. But nonetheless, there was a policy decision made by the Board of Supervisors earlier this year, earlier this year, as to how much the gate should be. And that policy decision should be the controlling. If drivers have been shortchanged all down the line on meter increases, if you go back to the period between 2003, 2006, they weren't compensated there. They're not even going to be compensated here under this report unless the board does something additional. So I don't think the cab, I don't think it's justified for cab companies to get any increase. And if you look at this controller's report, just let me read this one sentence here. Here's where the money is going. Well, I don't have time, but I'll just summarize it to say that medallion fees, which were $1,800 to $1,900, are now $2,200 to $2,300, according to this report. That's where the gate increase went. Thank you. Anyone else wants to speak? Okay, public comment is closed. Commissioners, there's not a vote required of us on this, but if there's any comments the commissioners would like to make at this time. I know I've heard a lot from you personally about this, so this is now the time. Jordana has told us that she's going to take the comments from both the public and the commissioners and summarize it in a report to be distributed to the Board of Supervisors, whose decision it is to make, and appropriately so, the elected officials in the city. Is there anyone else that would like to comment? Well, I'd first like to agree with Mark Gruberg tonight. I, too, am very fearful about the timing of this and about the need to move our industry forward, to get this industry accepted as a transit-first mode of transportation, and I'm really fearful about the timing of this increase. However, I also agree with what Mark said, is that right now the drivers have voiced their need to have a meter increase. So, you know, we're caught in a challenging situation here, and all I must say is that please pay attention to the people in the city here. Pick up those short fares. Make people understand that taxis are available to them in the city, and ensure your future, because otherwise, with the expense of the taxis rising and the lack of availability, people are going to make other choices, and they're not the choices you want to have made. Thank you. Anyone else want to comment on this before we go to the next item? I have a few comments to make. One is some statistics that I'm looking at from the paratransit, and I want to bring it to your attention. I think that this really shows how much they do depend on the taxi industry. We performed almost 600,000 rides for the paratransit in 2007-2008, and that's up from 2006-2007. And just to bring to your attention, the number of complaints for 600,000 rides is only nine. That's pretty good. So you can tell that they're really depending on us, and we do a lot of work for that. In addition to that, if you compare that to Lyft vans and ADA access, they total only 88,000 for the city. So we're really depending on them. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
for ADA access, and uh, their complaints are 188. Uh, so in comparison, and I think what Graf said was that uh, the cost will go down with this debit program coming in, and uh, I think that the the controller's report is well overdue, and uh, the drivers do need an increase. I think this increase will uh, project some uh, rate fares that they're, they do need, and I would even give them more. But at the same time, I, I will agree with the, uh, Mr. Gruber that uh, I think the Board of Supervisors are going to look twice at the increase for the gate fee. And I don't know whether if we just accept this report or if we send a recommendation that uh, uh, to re-examine the idea that that gate fee may not have to be adjusted, but the uh, fare increase should go up. Thank you, Commissioner Reslin. Anyone else? I just think there's a lot of reforms that this commission and the Board of Supervisors could undertake that would assist the industry and assist the public with what they want, which is good service and put more money in the pockets of drivers. And we've talked about some of them in the past, and perhaps the board will be interested in considering those when this report goes on to them, or perhaps it will be something that will wait for the merger. But it's high time that we started talking seriously about these reforms and actually took the steps necessary to effectuate them. We could put more money in drivers' hands easily with a stroke of a pen on some legislative issues. So that's all I would like to say. Okay. Anyone else? Mr. Pack? Um, I think increasing the uh, um, meter uh, rate can be done, and um, uh, I think they deserve it. However, I'm concerned because there are, I mean, un unemployment rate, and we all share the, the state of economy. Um, and looking at the situation, uh, I really like to see more of the kind of looking at the system itself, if there's anywhere, anything else that we could do. For instance, we've been talking about um, health insurance for taxi drivers, and that never really happened, and it's kind of like in the middle somewhere, and I would like to see that, and perhaps uh, that increasing middle rate is one thing. Um, I don't, I think the uh, gate fee can stay as it is, and but I am very concerned about um, health insurance for the taxi driver and uh, um, looking at the uh, the uh, the rider taxi riders and uh, looking at the the population of San Francisco and uh, industry right now I think what we need to do is coming up with some kind of census that we need to adjust ourselves to the state of economy right now and also, I would like to focus on something like a brokerage, brokerage situation. I really like to look into how that is being practiced right now. And it might not be directly, directly benefiting taxi drivers. It might be maybe middle increase might directly uh, benefiting taxi drivers. Yes, we can see that. However, I think I would like to see a little bit more of planning and a little bit more of looking a uh, little further than meter increase at this point. So I'd like to uh, have our fellow commissioners and board of supervisors and whomever stakeholders in this industry really look into uh, what improvement that we can make in terms of a certain um, crack in this industry. 
so that so that finally everybody can feel good about the um, um, taxi as uh, the alternate um, uh, the uh, alternate mechanism for for public transportation. Thank you. Anyone else? I'd like to take a stab at something. Um, I've, I've surely heard both sides, and I understand that the uh, timing of the increase may be tough in this economy, uh, but at the same time, the uh, taxi drivers need to see an increase. Before I came here, a, a member of the general public just approached me and was talking about this and said that what about an alternative idea such as a, a per-person surcharge uh, that could be charged instead of a, a meter increase if that has to be tied to the gate fees so that the, the taxi driver can end up coming out ahead. And I don't know if that's something under our jurisdiction that we can look at or not, but I'd, I'd like to think that could be a consideration. Just on that topic, you'll notice that some other cities compared to us look artificially low. It's because they often do have a lot of those surcharges, night surcharges, extra people surcharges. Chicago and New York looks like they're not looks like they're considerably cheaper than us, but they have several of those types of extra add-ons that we don't have. So um, I'll just make that point that we do have one $2 airport surcharge, but that's the only extra surcharge that we have now, Commissioner Tom. And it's, a, it's an idea that people have talked about at various times. The, the question that Dan Hines raised about a, a surcharge on radio calls has been discussed seriously or a, um, some sort of uh, looking at these kinds of other ways to do it besides the meter. I yes, Commissioner. I just, um, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff that's been said about the timeliness of this, and the, but I, I feel uncomfortable tying, reforming the reforms that we've talked about making to this increase at this particular time because it has been hard on the drivers with the, the fuel rates the last several months. So I just like people to consider that, that if, you know, when we vote on whether they just have to be tied if they're the same together because we have to do the reforms, but we also have to consider this separately. Thank you. Okay, I guess I would just say finally that I respect this process. I think it was a good thing that we did a few years ago by, by getting the controller's office involved in this and getting them to make their recommendations every two years, and I think we have to take those recommendations seriously. There is some room to play with this. It's considering going from 310 to 360 on the drop and from 225 to 250 per mile. There's perhaps room for something less than that. Um, based on gas prices going down and the considerations that people have talked about, the economic state. But I do agree that there uh, needs to be a, a meter increase at some point. I'm not really hearing that much of a pressure for this additional $1.50 increase on the gates, and I think companies are pretty happy with the gate increase that they've gotten, and drivers have been paying that for a while now. So that's what I'll say about this. I don't think it's our role here to make a vote on this, but everybody has weighed in and... Uh, the Board of Supervisors will probably, I'm guessing, will ask for a hearing to be held on this, but if there isn't, it'll just go into effect. I'll prepare a summary of the comments here tonight as well as the comments from commissioners. So if anyone from the public wants to get me any additional comments, please forward them to my attention at the office. We're at 25 minutes, and we're widely available on the Internet as far as finding out what our addresses. Okay, and you'll post that, that summary memo and maybe distribute it or for us at our next? Yes, it will likely be available by Monday of next week. Okay. Yeah. 
Thank you. Next item. Okay. Um, the next item, it's actually time for public comment for special right. order. Why don't we start that Fine. now? Okay. Do I have cards for public comment? Anyone who, uh, I want to have a card for everybody who wants to speak this time, and I'm only going to take those people whose cards that I have. I've been kind of lenient about this recently, but um, if you want to speak during the special comment period, during public comment, please turn a card in now, and then that's going to determine how long the people will be allowed to speak. Are there any cards there left? You really only need to fill out a card for the public comment session. That's what we've been doing recently, and so we've kind of... Okay, is there anyone else be, that hasn't filled out a card? I only had five. Okay, there might be a few more, so I'm going to allow two minutes tonight. First speaker is uh, Kajendra. Is that your name? Is that you? Okay. Go ahead. Good evening, Commissioners. Somebody is trying to affect the job of the yellow cab drivers because they are trying to attack the yellow cab company. Hey, can, we, can we just time out a second? There's a couple of speakers. We can hear you perfectly fine if you just speak in a normal tone of voice. In fact, I think you're probably everyone is more effective if they just speak in a normal tone of voice. So I'll just make that comment. Okay. Thank you. They are trying to affect the, the job of the yellow cab drivers because they are attacking, they are trying to attack the yellow cab company for nothing. And sometimes they are trying to mis mislead the drivers for nonsense issue. If the yellow cab is doing something wrong, we can oppose. We cannot accept any wrongdoings from the yellow cab, but somebody is trying to uh, attack because they are zealous to the betterment of the yellow cab company. And last time I requested them, don't mislead the drivers, let us leave us alone and try to do better and better for their own taxi cab company. It will be better for them, better for us. In the San Francisco city, Yellow Cab Company is the best and best cab company because it has very well and efficient administrations. It has good president, good managers. A, a combined effort of the president and managers, the taxi cab company is running very good. So that. The some, uh, somebody's are jealous with, uh, with the Yellow Cab Company. I request them, please, don't do that. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, next speaker is Rich Weiner, and then Christina um, Zion. Well, 
Good evening, Commissioners. New Commissioner Tom, nice to see you. I just want to speak very briefly about the need for vigilance against the illegal taxi cabs, illegal limos, illegal shuttles. As you all know, SB 1519 passed, which is a state law that allows for fines, confiscation, and ultimately the disconnection of an illegal cab's phone number, which is really a very powerful tool. And since the fees, administrative fees for the cabs have gone up quite a bit, I'm, as a consumer, asking for some value for that. So I'd like to encourage you to continue your good enforcement of illegal taxi cabs, illegal limos. Remember, every time an illegal taxi or limo is off the street, that means the legal cab can make a little more money. And if that happens to any great degree, then there won't be, there'll be less need for gate and meter increases. If the San Francisco taxi cabs had all the business, it would be quite a nice thing. Thank you. Thank you. Christina, I'm Zion, and then Barry Toronto. Hello. I'm here to speak for my father, Sayuran Zion, who has been a cab driver for Yellow Cab Company for the past 15 years now. And as long as I remember my father, I remember him having this dream of one day owning or having a medallion. And he's been a great father, a good provider, working seven days a week, every day, almost endless nights. And he's very dedicated to his job, just to show how dedicated he is. He's been receiving numerous Driver of the Month awards from his company. Recently, the dream of one day owning a medallion seemed like it was coming true when he received a letter from the commission in August stating that his hearing date was scheduled for August 26th. Shortly after receiving that date, after receiving that letter, excuse me, after receiving that letter, he got a phone call from somebody at the commission's office stating that his hearing date has been postponed indefinitely with any other reasoning, with any other explanation. When he tried visiting the commission's office numerous times within these past few months, he has been only turned away without, again, any explanation as to his case. And his manager even tried calling also several times with no explanation. I, as a daughter, am very worried about my dad because as long as I remember him working for his company for the 15 years, that's all he's been talking about. That is all he's been dreaming about. And now that it seems so close and now that he's not getting it, that's all he is talking about now. And he's really worried and anxious about this and really does not have an answer from anybody that he turns to at the commission's office. And it's very concerning and I'm very concerned for his health and just very concerned about my dad. Okay, thank you. There's really nothing to say about this. I've had numerous conversations with multiple people about this case. His hearing is November 7th and that's all I can say. A letter is going out tomorrow to inform him of that fact. And I can't speak about the facts of the case because it would be prejudicial to everyone sitting here. We've talked to so many people about this so I don't understand what the problem is. Thank you. Thank you.
problem is it was obviously this information has not been conveyed to you so it's November 7th it would be earlier but the hearing officer isn't available I mean I would have put him on for this Friday if she was available so yeah okay Barry Toronto and then um I'm sorry I don't I can't read your last name good evening commissioners I want to just dovetail on on Commissioner former Commissioner winners the thing is though there are several places where this illegal town cars go harlot is a club at ministry constantly it's a little alley there and they constantly think they can get away with it and there's a late-night club between 8th and 9th streets where they continually harass cab drivers it's actually an illegal club and I wish the police would shut it down for the fact that town cars get to pick up and cab drivers get harassed I'm trying to go public with it but I'm tired of them losing town cars as taxis next topic quickly is in the controller's report that talked about long-term leases it's about time you have a hearing on how much long-term lease drivers and holders have to pay the companies and whether there should be a cap because more and more of those are occurring in fact they're more in the industry than gates and gas according to the report the next topic is about uh, cab stands I urge you to do a, uh, a resolution to the, to the DPT arm or the MTA board about the fact that, that the, in the evening and weekends and, and off hours they need to start enforcing cab stands better they need to start ticketing it's an $85 ticket they need to enforce it better because they're constantly occupied by town cars limousines and private cars particularly around the hotels and in closing I urge you with this meter increase happening that you actually start instilling to drivers, new drivers, customer service techniques, skills, and training. You need to do that more. A lot of my former customers have talked to me about how they don't want to be with scummy cab drivers, particularly around the dance clubs, certain clubs, because they get treated badly. They've been all night dealing with men, some of them perverted, and they want to go home without another man harassing them or treating them badly. And I'm telling you, customer service skills for cab drivers, particularly the different cultures they come to, come from, and how they treat women, we need to do this better. I really appreciate you looking into this. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, and then Dan Hines. Uh, thank you for the opportunity for me to talk about it. And I appreciate Mrs. Ms. Patricia Bassley, whatever it is she was. She was telling that we need to pick up the chauffeurs on the street more. That's what we work the most of the cab drivers are doing because there is no long ride for us except the town cars getting it from the dormant. It has been routine for over 10 years going on. And another thing, I really appreciate that you are recommending about the meter rates because in Venezuela, people are paying 335 a mile. That is average in Venezuela. Everywhere you go, you will see it. Even though with the time and different place they pick up, the meter has rate one, rate two, rate three. We only have one rate. So if we can get close a little bit, that is appreciated. And But sorry if I have to, you know, if anything have been offended. I recommend, I just like want to request a taxi driver representative in the taxi commission instead of having everybody listening. The driver, the person who will really represent the drivers in the commission who will go and talk to the drivers in the field, what you have been doing, what you have been dealing with every day, how is your life, how does the gate increase going affect you, how is the gas price affecting you, everything, instead of somebody just sitting and, you know, 
just like sitting in the office doing the data. There has never been question to the drivers what is going on in the field. Thank you. Thank you. Dan Hines and then Tariq Mahmood. Commissioners, um, it's my understanding that the Charter Reform Group uh, meeting has been postponed indefinitely. I think this is uh, something that uh, Charter Reform is something this industry needs to address. Right now, as the current law is being interpreted, we are, uh, as an industry, uh, the enforcement body is, is designed, I guess, to go after aging medallion holders and disabled medallion holders either force them back on the street in their vehicles or to force them out, in many of them, out on the street because all they have is their medallion income and Social Security. These aren't very often uh, particularly sophisticated people. They don't have huge investments or anything. And so this policy is something that's going to require tremendous resources on the part of this commission. It's important that this commission monitor that, see what's involved in comprehensively enforcing that, and making sure that this is a policy you actually want to see implemented. To me, it's an act not just of, of inhumanity, but an act of insanity to put, try to force people out on the road that we don't really want out on the road. This doesn't serve the public's interest. It doesn't serve our industry's interest. It's dangerous. And the way we handle this, I understand people's concerns about these medallions weren't intended to be retirement, but the way you handle that is through charter reform. It's the only way that I've seen that we can't handle it. We have to come up with a solution to this. But this policy of moving forward just is nuts. Thanks. Thank you. Tariq Mahmood and then Peter Witt. Good evening, Commissioners. Tariq Mahmood. Driver at Yellow. But it's recently one of our Yellow friend and a driver for 22 years, Mr. Steve Clover. He died of heart attack. He was as close to medallion as you can imagine, just a few weeks away. That's sad. As regard to the some commissioners objecting on some of the drivers who come to speak here. I would like to say to the commission, they are foreigner drivers. They don't, English is not their language. I encourage them to come and speak. They become a good citizen by trying to say what they want to say. And it's don't only help them, it will help them to raise good children in this society. So we need to encourage this kind of people who wants to participate in the civic activities of life. As regard to some other people who spoke their organization phone number here, Commission did not stop that person. The people who started their marketing over here using their organization name, nobody stopped them over here. In the taxi industry, as it is mentioned also in the controller report, somewhat roughly about 700 cabs or more than that are on a long-term lease, and they are run by the foreigners. When nobody is on the roads, gate and gas is sitting at the yards, these foreigners are on the road running the cities, providing the public service. They don't have good English. That don't mean we should discourage them. They don't address the line properly. That don't mean somebody should discourage them. There are issues. They will learn with the time. They should be encouraged and be helped. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Peter Witt, and then Gregory Shalom. This is a close-up of this. This is a, something I found on the back of a limousine operating illegally in the Castro. Uh, since you disregard my limo reports, I thought you needed some more proof. Uh, so you believe me. Um, you can return that to them. Thank you. Uh, I guess uh, in any case, we need more taxis because there's so many limos. Well, a uh, quote from Paul Gillespie in 1999. Um, I think we got a lot of a lot of credit goes to the mayor and the task force for recommending for recommends they did recommend they did and uh, 300 cabs we issued. I sympathize with Commissioner Bolick on the effects it's had on companies. More cabs we've had it's had an effect on drivers. Uh, but I think we're we're going to have to we have ample opportunity to really get in deep into this next two months into this subject, next two months. But I agree, you do need to do much more outreach as possible, as much outreach as possible, excuse my reading. Um, you know, I would freeze the new cabs that are, are we still adding cabs? Question to the director. I don't believe we've issued all of them yet. Well, anyway, we issued 90, 69 right here. If you can look on the projector, please. Time is still running. On the projector, please. Um, I'm not getting the projector. Can I get time stopped until we get the projector going? Uh, it's been about 10 seconds now. I've lost time. Projector is still not showing the Paul. I'm sorry, Peter. I'm sure they're working on it. Well, Why don't you multitask and talk about something seconds. else? Thank you for stopping the clock. Can I get 10 seconds? Okay, back? there you go. There we go. Can I get 10 seconds on the clock, please? Yeah, please. Can I get... Can I, all right, thank you. Mr. Witt, just keep speaking and I'll we'll allow you to speak 10 okay. seconds longer. As you can see, uh, we added 69 here, just after a, uh, an economic downfall. Uh, and then we're still adding, I believe, more cabs. We haven't finished yet, have we? Anyway, I don't think, I don't think we can have any much more of an economic downfall than that. Uh, and by the way, uh, in 2002... We recommended um, a study if we needed more cabs to determine if we needed more when the economically, economy excuse me, rebounds. Therefore, be it. Okay? This is a 2002 findings you've made when you added cabs, which you do not have on file, as I recall. You can't find that. But, you know, because of the economy, you didn't add more cabs. So why don't we freeze the ones we're going to add that we haven't? Thank you. Gregory Shalom. Is Gregory here? And then Yakov Kachowski. You can, yeah. Uh, good evening. I just came for with my friend and I talked uh, talk about my friend because uh, he a little worried about the medallion. <coughs> just that 
Christian Hamza and the daughter was spoke. I want to tell uh, you I know him for, for a long, long time, back to the 30, 30 years, more than 30 years. And he is a very good friend and very good guy and very good worker, I mean, <laughs> taxi driver. He never got a complaint from the, any passenger. He got just a, a good letter from the passenger. That's what I want to say. He's a good guy, and if you do that something the Christina already uh, says, thank you. Thank you. Yakov, are you here? Yakov Kachowski. I think he got his medallion earlier. Karach, is he out in the hallway, or I'll go to uh, Nahim Malik. Nahim. Karach. Just because Jacob is not here, maybe I will say a couple of things. And I will ask you, Giordano, how come this gentleman never get his medallion yet? Can you answer to me that? I don't have to answer questions, but it would be prejudicial to. to the commissioners if they heard a case before it came before them, so okay. I won't answer I'm that. sure he, he, he is going to get his medallion. And perhaps Sorry, Grouch, I don't have to answer your questions. You don't have to. But you know what? It's very surprising to me that uh, Christina, the daughter of um, the gentleman who is about to get a medallion, just only now find out that he's going to be in the uh, in, uh, in tax commission hearing. Why was it? Why don't you send the letter before? People waiting for I'm not going to answer your questions. It's all right. I already made my statements. Okay. Everybody's had knowledge of this for some time. so it's, I, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that's a comment. joke that we have so many okay. people getting the McDonald's um, and people who are really driving the cab not getting one. That's all. Okay. And there will be a hearing on this. You'll have ample opportunity to uh, speak on behalf of this gentleman. Nahim, and then Yaakov, if he's not here, um, Bashir will be next. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Naim Malik, a cab driver for almost 20 years. Commissioners, please do something about the Bill of Rights for cab drivers. Do something about the health care benefits for the cab drivers. Do something about the retirement benefits for the cab drivers. Do something about the respect the cab drivers really deserve. Do something about the cab companies management to stop treating the cab drivers unfairly. Do something about the centralized dispatch system not run by the cab company, otherwise you're never going to solve the problem. The people of San Francisco will continue complaining that they never got a cab. I believe this dispatch system is already in place in terms of 311. I have never called 311 for any reason. But in the future, I would like to call 311 to order a cab. Isn't that a wonderful idea? It is sad. We don't have unity among drivers. Therefore, I appeal to all drivers for unity so we can speak in one strong voice. Fellow drivers, if you want to bring a change, wake up, stand up, speak up, and fight for your rights. If you don't, no one will for you. No one will for you. I would like to mention a few names. They always fought for cab drivers. Mark Gruber, Ms. Grafis, chair of the UTW, members of the UTW. And it's unfair not to mention uh, Tony uh, Berry Tranto. And thank you very much for your time.
Thank you, Bashir, and then Carl McMurdo. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Bashir Rahimi. I'm of about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I was in your office and I've been suspended my A cards and my uh, medallions, but I'm still driving. I went to the appealing and everything is okay so far. However, when I was in here, in the public, because of hundreds of our peoples, when they heard that the, the uh, Jordana Tech Pants was a file against of me was Rahimi number one, Rahimi number two, and then Rahimi number three. And uh, we, the public, found a lot of friends of mine, cab drivers, they find out the number one and number two. And number three, we just want to know what the number three was. And I believe him, it was a mistake. If there is a mistake, there is no Rahimi number three. We like it to Jordana Techman saying, yeah, it was a mistake. Or, or if it's not a mistake, go ahead and file it. Because when I spoke to her on this morning, and last week I called her, I could not find her. She said, we already suspend you, we don't care. But I understand the commissioners are, you don't care, but the point is I have a lot of fellow cab drivers, and they ask me those questions, and they're thinking that like number three is like a serious matter, like I'm a tourist, I'm a rape people, stuff like that. They don't want to bring it in. They make all kind of fun of me on all kind of story, and uh, we like it to find out what's about the number three is. If it's related anything to the cap, we do appreciate it to come forward. Otherwise, just if it's not related to the cap, we like it to be just saying that was a mistake. There's no number three. Thank you very much. I appreciate it for all. Thank you. Carl McMurdo and then Mohamed Bouya be the last speaker. Let's, do you want to speak, Emil? Okay, you'll be the last speaker then. I, I hadn't intended on speaking, but Dan Hines said certain things, and uh, he regards the policies as bordering on being insane. I agree with him that you have policies that you're basically telling people proposition cases the applicant for a medallion swears the intention to drive. And now what that policy is interpreted as is that the medallion holder is basically strapped to the wheel until he dies at the wheel to keep his medallion. That It would make more sense to have a policy that at some point, the sworn intention is deemed as having been fulfilled, like after 20 years of driving. The alternative to that is to make people go out who aren't safe to drive. And there was an eight-figure accident a few years ago. It was settled last year for more than $10 million. I would suggest to you that the costs are passed on to the public and to the drivers in the form of the gates being high. Otherwise, the companies cannot stay in operation. So the applicant waiting list would not move as fast if you had a fulfillment policy. But it's at the point where public safety and service really need for you to have that. I'm going to push that for MTA to do it if the merger happens. Um, and then the litigation costs that are involved are very high, and that ties in to the, everything being so expensive in this industry. So I hope you'll consider that. I think it honors the senior labor as well. Thanks very much. Thank you. Hi, good evening, Taxi Commission. This is Mohammed. I'm over here again about the problem of Limu and illegal, link, uh, illegal Lincoln Town Car and illegal taxis. Few weeks ago, I was at Sunset District. I see there are yellow cab pick, trying to pick up the fare. And uh, the customer was coming with the luggage. And I asked the customer, what happened? Why you call this cab? Say, so I call, I look at the yellow page, and I found this phone number. And you know that 
three, I think three, 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 six, three, three. So if you look the yellow page, you will find this phone number for San Francisco listing. I think we mentioned about this problem before. So please. And also today I went to Moscone Center and I told one of the cop, hey look, that guy, illegal limousine, is trying to solicit people. Instead of, he, tell, he told me, oh, he should have parked right here and you know, then the police officer ignored me and he didn't do anything about the limo, that limousine was trying to pick up the fare. And also personally, I know Mr. Seran, since I started working yellow cap, he's been driving all the time, and I, I was wondering why he's not getting his medal in yet. He's been working hard. I see him all the time on the street working. Thanks. Thank you. Emil? Bud, do you want to speak too? Okay, you'll be the last speaker. Someone left the plates. Uh, Chairman Breslin, uh, fellow commissioners, I have five quick points for you. One is I like the idea that Arthur Tom came up with the surcharge. I think that's innovation here. We need more surcharges, not just on gasoline. We can also use a surcharge, which is used in Ireland, for telephone uh, solicitations. And the way I understand it is that if you make a phone call to a cab driver in Ireland and the cab comes out to your house and you're not there, you're paying for it anyway. I'm not sure that's the, the most radical thing we can do, but there should be a surcharge. And I like Diana Hines' idea that phone service is something extra. And a lot of people are using cell phones today. They call from one corner and three 20 minutes later they're four blocks away and they're not where they're supposed to be. So we can put surcharges on there. I'm also for surcharges on credit cards. Two to three dollars because they're a hassle. They're a pain. They stop you in the middle of nowhere. They need a, You have to do their credit card. You have to get it processed. You have to get their background checked, their driver's license. These are all extras that the, that the credit card holder is not paying for. And last but not least is that since I do drive a ramp taxi, I will tell you bluntly that most of my pickups are not wheelchairs, they're luggage or people with piles of stuff going from one area to another, particularly from the airport. I took 14 bags the other day, a family of four and 14 bags. Some of them were as heavy as they were loaded down with bricks. I think there ought to be a surcharge at the airport for luggage of certain size, a buck a bag. I think cab drivers have a right to make an income to live in the city and county of San Francisco. And unless this commission starts getting innovative with some certain surcharges, and, and the last one I can bring up is that I talked to some London cab drivers. There's a surcharge at night of one pound. The night drivers get one pound a fare more than the day drivers. They have two buttons on their thing, and they press the night button, starting at 6 or 7 o'clock, and that goes on to 4 in the morning. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking for myself, uh, I was surprised to hear uh, two points uh, this evening on which I uh, found some mild agreement with Dan Hines. Uh, he's right, we don't want people who are uh, in, should otherwise be ineligible to drive, driving. But uh, we part company from there because the answer that uh, he and Carl are uh, skirting around is not. Uh, uh, letting is not continuing the same corrupt uh, medallion system, but to uh, pre create a pension program that serves all drivers. 
And uh, the thing is that uh, uh, this idea of, of allowing, um, uh, you know, people to drive, you know, uh, uh, just past the time that they should be, it, they're, they're forced into that situation if they want any, any kind of uh, retirement. It's untenable. You need, you need a, uh, uh, a pension plan that serves all drivers. Secondly, uh, with regard to limousines, uh, over the past year, illegal limousines, as you know, Ms. Breslin, uh, from uh, attending our meeting last spring, uh, have severely harmed the taxi business in this city. And yet, what I don't understand is that you are the representative for the hotel industry. This, is a, this, the, this problem stems in large part from the hotels. And those hotels are either contracting with, uh, uh, with certain companies uh, and taking kickbacks and or they're uh, openly uh, operating with uh, uh, illegal limousines, limousines that have no license plates. I'll tell you, if I drive down the street with no license plate, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I know I'm going to get pulled over. But these guys are, uh, we know they're illegal, they're, they're, they, they, uh, um, they operate uh, continuously at these hotels, and if I, you know, as the agent for these uh, hotels, I would hope that you'd be reading these guys the riot thank, act thank you. and putting some pressure on them uh, to stop that practice. Thank you. Public comment is closed. Next item. Okay, the next item will be item nine: consideration of hearing officer's recommendation in Taxi Commission versus Icaruian. This is a consideration of the recommendation from the hearing officer to rehear the case for violations of Rules 6A1, 6D1, 6D2, 6D3, Municipal, municipal Police Code Section 1141, California Penal Code Sections 211, 243D, and 591.5, and an additional recommendation that the summary suspension be upheld pending rehearing. So I'll give a brief uh, introduction of this case. Um, essentially, uh, we have a summary suspension which issued on April 30th, 2008 of this year. The basis for the suspension was the allegation that uh, Mr. Eric Karuian strangled a female passenger over a fair dispute. He never requested a hearing in response to the summary suspension. Um, there was some communication between himself and me uh, which ultimately culminated in a hearing. There was a dispute in the uh, testimony at the hearing regarding whether he had um, agreed to have it heard on that Friday. Um, so bearing that in mind, the hearing officer recommended, uh, owing to that and attempting to give him as much due process as possible, that it be heard on, that it be reheard by someone other than herself. Uh, it could be sent on to the commission. We have limited hearings left, and we have limited space on the hearing officer calendars that we do have. We have limited room availability. So bearing that in mind, it should probably be heard before the commission. Um, Julie Rosenberg has recommended that it be heard by a hearing officer other than herself because she's already heard the case once and apparently believes she would be biased. Notably, she recommends that the case be, um, that the summer suspension be upheld pending this procedural situation. I can take any questions. Uh, Okay, yeah, her recommendation, sense. which we're considering whether to adopt or reject or modify, is that this be either reheard by the Taxi Commission or by another hearing officer other than herself because she's heard it once and so she's precluded from hearing it again. Explain to me again um, the, 
logistics of this being heard by another hearing officer rather than ourselves? We'd have to obtain, um, you know, it would delay the process even more because basically um, there would have to be a hearing on, on it. A recommendation would then issue, and hopefully that, would, that decision would come out, you know, at some point prior to December. Um, there's only really one other hearing officer that's qualified to hear the taxi cases at, at SFMTA right now. That's going to be changed as more trained, but right now it's just Julie Rosenberg and then this other one that heard them formerly. So, um, but we have a very full calendar. We have already a full calendar for November 7th. We have several cases on that day. I think right now we're up to four. I guess the reason I'm asking this is because it's, it's clearly my preference for any of these types of cases to be heard by a hearing officer. These people are trained in the law. They know what types of laws to reference. They have some context for the various types of hearing officers. And having been on this commission from its inception, knowing through the kinds of struggles that we went through in the first few years trying to do this stuff ourselves, um, it, it, it came from a real place that we decided to send these cases to the hearing officer. So I'm just going to put that out there that my clear preference is to have these type of cases, especially involving some sort of a physical altercation like this where witnesses will be coming, testimony will be presented. I'm much more comfortable with these type of hearings at the hearing officer level. So I, I just want to put that out there. I know that you know uh, we have a choice to make here, and I just want to say that. The only issue is that witnesses do come and they've already come once and there's one here tonight in fact um, the so witnesses came when to the to the first hearing what happened was at the hearing is that uh, Mr. Ikaruian um, made some statements um, that were inconsistent with his prior statements regarding the day on which he would like to have the hearing and the hearing officer found that those statements were inconsistent and went ahead and heard the testimony anyways. But then after further reflection, ruled anyways that um, it should be reheard, despite the fact that she did not find his testimony credible at the time regarding his, his, uh, his preference on the date of which the hearing should be held. Are there criminal charges pending? The district attorney's office has declined at this time to prosecute the case. That does not preclude it from doing so in the future. Uh, it's my understanding, but uh, at this time, it is not proceeding with a uh, criminal prosecution on this on this matter. But that does not, of course, preclude the commission from proceeding administratively. And there could be other sanctions as well. There actually has been a uh, superior court action already, a restraining order, which was issued. Any other commissioner questions before I go to public comment? I'll just weigh in, I'll just weigh in that I agree with uh, President Gillespie that um, it was after quite some thought that um, we determined that our efforts to hear cases such as these weren't as efficient or effectual as having it go to a hearing <laughs> officer. And I do understand the time constraints, which we are also under as a commission. So um, my preference would be that, especially since the hearing officer did finally determine that, um, that the individual did not have uh, adequate time to respond to the charges, that I would like it to go to a hearing officer, if at all possible. If it's impossible, then we should do our duty and hear it. But if it's possible, that's the direction I'd like it to go. 
Thank you. Any other commissioners before I go to public comment? I share the thoughts. Thank you. I agree. I'm going to take public comment on this for one minute. If there is anyone who would like to speak on this. My name is Janice Hennessy, and I was actually the individual that was attacked by um, Kareem. And I just, you know, me as a public citizen, you know, I pay my cab fares. In fact, I use taxis quite a bit. But since my attack, I mean, I've had emotional and physical um, trauma because of all of this. And it's been really difficult, you know, taking public transportation taking taxi cabs and so I just really feel unsafe and I just want <coughs> public citizen for you guys to hear that you know these things shouldn't happen you shouldn't feel afraid you know to ride in a taxi cab because you're going to be attacked and you know I wasn't sure if I was coming home that night and I just I'm sorry this has never happened before um never been to court and so I don't really know how to to handle all this. Um, I've never been a victim before either, and I've always trusted the public, public taxi cab drivers, and, and, but now I'm afraid. I'm afraid, but as, as I'm here tonight, I see there's so many good drivers, and I've never you know, had an encounter with a bad driver until the night of January 19th this year, but you know, it makes me afraid. It makes me afraid to be around them. I'm a public citizen, and I just imagine that some of the tourists, if they knew what was really going on, um, behind the scenes with drivers like the one who attacked me. I think that they would be really afraid and they'd probably want to go with maybe okay. a limo service or something. I don't really know. But just Thank you, ma'am. And I guarantee that this case will be heard, whether it's heard before this commission or before a hearing officer. And I'm sorry for your experience and I hope you can see it in your heart to give drivers another chance because, as you say, most drivers, in fact, I would say 99 plus percent are not going to give you any kind of problem at all and appreciate your business. So thank you for having the Courage to come here tonight, and as I say, this will be heard either at this commission or by a hearing officer. Anyone else? Okay. I, w I want to say I was extremely disheartened to hear her story. This is about accountability by the, by the, the color schemes and the medallion holders for who they put behind the wheel. I talked about this earlier, about customer service skills, about making the people who have the medallions responsible for who drives their vehicles. That's one. Two, why did it take so long to have a hearing? This happened in January, and it's already mid-October. What's going on? There were months and weeks and centuries since there were hearings. There were lots of canceled hearings. You go down the agenda, agendas for disciplinary hearings, canceled, 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 canceled. Even one last month was canceled. I think you need to schedule more hearings or hear some of these yourselves so that we expedite these matters. One, to get the, ca the, the cabs off the streets that are on the medallion holders who are not responsible. And two, to put them back on the street if they're doing the right thing. And the other thing is, is why are you skipping the agenda items? We deserve an explanation to you, but why these are skipped. This is not process. It's just all of a sudden skip items. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmood. To this young lady, we are very sorry. Whatever happened, we are not aware about the details, but as the process, due process will take place. 
but on behalf of all the drivers and the taxi industry, we are very sorry for you. And we respect you, and we do our utmost from the bottom of our heart to do all the good things we can do for all the customers. It's extremely sad if one driver did something wrong. It's extremely sad. We are very sad for that, and our all feelings are with you. And please, rest assured, 99.9% .9 of our drivers are wonderful and great. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? This is clearly a tragic case, and I know that we're all deeply grieved that this happened and that this one young woman had such a bad experience with a cab. But one thing that I, I heard when she was talking was, if this is what, what happens in a cab, maybe that's why people want to take limos. Maybe they'll want to take limos more. My God. Cab drivers get police oversight. We get fingerprinted. We get a background check. Companies know who they've hired. But those illegal limousines out there on the street, which could be driven by anybody who rented a Hertz town car, who could have just bought a car themselves off some used car lot and pretending that they're a limousine, we have no oversight over those people at all. And yet this young woman thought that was the alternative Thank to a cab driver. Thank you. Anyone else? Hmm. Good evening, ex-cab driver. Commissioners, uh, I know it's a really sad, uh, we are really sad to heard this kind of story and uh, where my, I'm personally apologize from her and um, I'm 99% all the cab drivers is 100% uh, guaranteed they are good cab drivers and they are in my experience uh, a lot of women sleep in my cab I didn't even touch him I take him to the police department spending all night taking free homes Ma'am, uh, personal, uh, me, I apologize. This thing happened to you, and I hope you forget us. And the other thing is, Commissioner, also your fault, because increasing more cab, the good cab driver cannot pay his bill. They have to run away. They have to find a new job. You bring in all people, and that's the reason sometimes happen. Basically, stop more medallions. Thank you. Next speaker. Is there anyone else who wants to speak on this? Forgot this. Um, uh, Peter Witt, yellow cab driver, 20 years. Uh, how long? I, first question I would ask is how long this person has been a cab driver. I'm talking about the cab driver. Um, because I, you know, we know that low pay attracts poor drivers. Uh, companies feed on high a rate of unemployment. That's their bread and butter. When unemployment goes up, cab companies, that's where they get their crop of new drivers because then they can afford to fire the old ones. Um, 
I've reported such incidences in the past. This is not surprising to me that one might happen every now and then. But it is discouraging for that individual. Um, a woman is far more vulnerable than a man when it comes to taking a cab by themselves. Um, they also, you know, are take a risk when they're... We have lady cab drivers too, by the way. Okay. I would wonder if this camera was working also. Thank you. I would wonder if the camera was working also. That was my last comment. Thank you. Okay. Commissioners, we have a decision to make on whether to... Yes. Quick question to the executive director. Um, I am assuming that the suspension is still in force. Yeah. What happened, the reason it took so long is because um, we were waiting for the district attorney's office to kind of release the case. They did not do so until June. At that point, the restraining order um, proceedings were pending. So, and he was nowhere to be found. He never came in. He never requested a hearing. He for all intents and purposes, had disappeared, except that he, we knew he was part of the underlying procedures. So we, get, we try to get everyone in. We, that's, we're all about getting people in as quickly as possible. But he was, he was you know, there were these other procedures. So. And, and forgive me, I know we probably have a procedure for this. I just can't recall it right now. But um, all the cab companies know that this particular person is suspended and should not be driving. They get a list of these individuals, right? Yeah, whenever someone's summarily suspended, either my office or taxi detail will confer that information to the appropriate parties, the airport, the treasurer, tax collector, the color schemes, etc. I wanted to say that out loud so to ensure the uh, young lady here that, that this person is not driving now. Just because we're not hearing it tonight doesn't mean we, we're saying he is or is not a threat to safety. We want the hearing to go forward, but he will not be driving until that hearing goes forward. Thanks. Okay. Um, so given that that summary suspension is in place, uh, again, I'll just reiterate that I would prefer that this be held, heard by a hearing officer. Commissioner Pack and Commissioner Breslin have both sort of expressed their, is there any other commissioners who would like to weigh in on this or is anyone would like to make a motion? Uh, I'll, I'll move that uh, consideration uh, of uh, the rehearing. I'm sorry, that the rehearing will be heard by a, a hearing officer uh, as soon as possible. I second it. And the suspension will remain. Yes, thank you very much. And suspension will remain in effect pending the rehearing, the results of the rehearing. <laughs> Okay, so now we'll go back to the regular calendar. And for the record, the reason that we called items out of order is for guests that were here and people who had requested to have items moved out of order. So the next item that we go to is uh, staff report and commissioner announcements. So as is the custom, I've attached you to a brief staff report, just outlining some of the things that have gone on in the office. There's been a lot more activity, but we can't list everything that we do in there. Um, but I have a, a prepared a uh, written memorandum. I just have a couple of additions to that. First of all, is Keith Raskin still here? So in a moment, Keith will come up, and he, he wants to talk about something. 
and I promised him that we would do so during staff report. Uh, regarding the Charter Reform Working Group and its next date, um, I am seeking to obtain that information from the chair of that group. Uh, it's scheduled for October 23rd, but it may not go forward on that date and may be rescheduled for November. So just an FYI on that. Um, and after I call Keith, I'm also going to call, call Sergeant Reynolds up, who's uh, joining here this evening in addition to Tamara show. And um, let's see. I guess uh, the only other thing I would point out is that um, this is very important that we do not, I repeat, we do not have an October 28th commission agenda. We have it on the 31st of October instead at 11 o'clock a.m. We specifically noticed that information when we sent out the agenda for this meeting. We posted it on our website. So we just want to make that clear yet again that so people don't come here on the 28th expecting it to be here. You know, this is lots of advance notice on this issue. So just want to make that clear. Also, um, attached to the report is a copy of a blank medallion application. Commissioner President okay. had requested that. You're welcome. And as I looked through it, um, you know, I see myself that there's a couple things that could be improved. Notably, there's a string of resolutions and letters and different pieces of documents attached to it. And this is something I was not aware that they were doing. And it's fine that, that, that they're giving those original documents to people. Those are public record. But wouldn't it be better to have a summary of everything that educates people about these things that doesn't confuse people? Because some of these are, you know, Kelly Castagnaro's on here, Naomi Little, and I'm on there as acting. It's just confusing for people. They don't understand what, what reality is. Um, that's something I suffer from myself sometimes, but I think it's particularly relevant with this document. So there's a checklist. That's the most important document. Um, what I'd like to do is tighten it up and uh, submit a fresh one to you at the next, um, well, I'll, I'll preserve it for the November 25th so Commissioner Brisson could review it. Um, We'll tighten it up and we'll get control of Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Sure. Thank you very much. Just for mm -hmm. the record, I think I asked for it first and then Commissioner oh. Breslin wanted to. <laughs> so, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, it could. I mean, the, the application itself, we've worked on it over time. You know, we, when I came, became director, we, we tightened up some of the language in there. And um, the medical exam report, like we discussed that today, that's in there. So... Um, you know, there's several procedures I'd like to amend with regards to the way that permits are renewed and applied for by this commission. Um, I referenced some of them today at Rules Committee. We're out of compliance with a number of state law requirements that other jurisdictions do have in place. And we are lone holdout on having um, some of which relate to the drug policy and some of which do not, some of which are more like administrative things. So I'd like to list all those out and we'll, we'll just tighten them up, hopefully before we merge with MTA. But now I'd like to uh, call Keith Raskin. He's here, and he has a special proposal that he would like to bring forward. Thank you, Jordana. So um, some time ago I was driving, and I saw the, the limos driving without license plates, and I saw people flagging them down like cabs, and I see them in front of me getting flagged down before I can get to them. And uh, uh, I was just concerned about, uh, again, what was mentioned um, about how illegal they are and how the public is not aware of, of, of the concerns that we have. And so um, I saw the, uh, the pamphlets in the uh, commission office uh, uh, and I um, 
I thought that there would be a way to, to take that and be more direct and have it be more targeted to our customers. So, and you've all seen this before, but here um, I've come up with this. This is actually a design that was in Muni, so it's it's uh, not new. And uh, as you can see on, on, on my cab, how it looks uh, to the passengers on the street. Um, this was taken about from maybe about four feet away, four to six feet away from the vehicle. So it's, it's, uh, it's very visible. They can see it easily. Um, I acknowledge that it, it on some color schemes it'll be uh, not as visible such as luxury because there's a lot of the multicolor color schemes. So I, I'd like to start with having this be a, on a voluntary basis. Um, each one of these at this time costs uh, $15 for one but it'll last the life of a vehicle, and uh, and of course, if we order more, then the, the price will be dramatically cheaper. And this is really letting twofold, letting the public know about the issues, and also letting the limos know we're putting them on notice. You know, they'll see these also, and so they'll have to creep around rather than being in uh, you know, full sight of everybody. Yeah, so um, this would constitute a change, a material change to the signage of a taxicab vehicle. So right now we have specific requirements regarding, you know, the height of the lettering, um, some of which actually are under state law and some of which are rules and regulations that we've adopted that go beyond. Um, so as Keith points out, you know, black and white color scheme is particularly well suited to this sticker. Um, other color schemes, not so much um, due to the fact that as he points out, there's there's a lot going on sometimes. Um, like USA Cab, for example, um, you well, know, probably wouldn't be a good candidate. I mean, it has stars and stripes, and it's just not. Royal, Royal looks great. Royal looks good. Uh, looks good. Luxor, it's, it kind of clashes. They have a lot of color there, but it still looks good. Um, Yellow has a lot of decals on, on their on their vehicles already. Uh, the vans, there's plenty of room. The hybrids, kind of squished in there, so. So, it, you know, what we could do is schedule it for a, um, an agenda item to review because um, it would have to be approved by the commission. It wouldn't be something that my office could just unilaterally approve or that we would want people to just randomly, as, you know, put on their their. Cash. Are they already out? No, he he has a production company that could that could. Produce them for so, so the taxis that we saw with them on, they weren't really glued on. It's they were photoshopped. It's photoshopped. The wonders of Amazing. technology. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It was it was very easy to produce. So the mm -hmm. it's uh, I work with the I, I, the company I use for my previous logo, uh, Fast Signs. They can get them out really quick, and, uh, and they're very durable. I'm sorry. I I was just like thinking, but what about like a taxi with taxi wrap? Where, where would this go? So this is kind of like limiting that, right? Yeah, well, a taxi wrap, um, you know, typically goes on the doors and then around, you know, it has involves the top light in some mm -hmm. fashion. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, yeah, you know, those usually just go on a, on a percentage of the color scheme anyways. They don't, it's, it's rare that it would go on the whole thing. Okay. So, um, yeah, they would have to incorporate that into the mix, you know, maybe select medallions that didn't have, have that. 
going on at that time. We're getting into kind of a substantive discussion yeah. of an unagendized item, so right. you've, you've made your proposal, and okay. uh, we're going to consider uh, agendizing this as a discussion item. Thank you. Thanks. Great. Thanks. Now we will call, I will call Sergeant Reynolds uh, to the podium, and um, before I do so, he's going to give an extensive report about some um, activities. Um, Last year, for the first time, we formed, I formed a partnership with the 49ers who had been suffering from um, lack of service. Uh, yes, well, yeah, considering Sunday's performance in particular. No offense to great men and women that work for the 49ers, but that was a really bad game anyway. Um, so that's all I'm going to say. But, yes, um, there's, you know, there's been some service issues out at Candlestick Park for some time and so um, last year we you know we started we started meeting with the stadium operators there and figuring out what we could do we came up with the idea for a raffle and um, you know obviously we would have to spend some of the department's budget the work order through SFPD to fund additional officers going out to manage the taxicab situation we also asked for partnership with the industry we have been very successful in getting partnership from the industry we have um, there's some kinks to be worked out with the, with the raffle uh, this particular year. It was successful last year. We're working those out. We have decided, Sergeant Reynolds and myself, to spend this money because we believe on having extra personnel out there um, because we believe this is a very important public service. So we, we just think that this is a good use of the resources. We've increased the enforcement budget so that we could accommodate public service needs like this. So just wanted to preface his remarks with that. Good evening, Commissioners, um, guests, Executive Director. Um, to um, Commissioner Tom, it's a pleasure to uh, meet you, and my office is always open to you for any issues or any problems that you have. Um, I'd like to report, first of all, that uh, our unit is down to myself and uh, Officer Makavekas, and we finally got a clerk. So we have got... Uh, the disciplinary process kind of back on track again. So we're going to start tracking discipline now that we have somebody to encode it in the database. Um, to follow up a little bit on the, we've had two football games since the last uh, time we met. And um, we've had some good things that have arise, arisen out of our, our program and some not so good things. Um, one of the things is we've had a dismal turnout of cabs. Uh, at both games. Uh, we had people waiting up to two and a half to three hours to get a cab out of Candlestick Park. Um, we tried to increase last game, last Sunday's game, and I do not have the stats yet from that, but I don't think we did very well because we were out of the park at about 6.30 versus 7. Um, a big issue came up that I'm very concerned about, and that was we had a person that was physically challenged, was in a wheelchair, and needed a ramp vehicle. We called, and we called, and we called. We called the uh, color scheme that has the most ramp medallions, hoping that we would get lucky with that. After the third call to dispatch, the dispatcher told me that their GPS showed every one of the ramp vehicles on a Sunday afternoon in line at the airport. So it's something that we are going to have to work. Um, we're going to have to come with some kind of way 
to make sure that not everybody is waiting in line at the airport to pick up a fare. I was able to get one driver to break away from his spot. I will be bringing his name to the commission because I think he deserves something special for that. I've seen him in the past. He's very considerate of the paratransit community. And, again, I just thank him very much or we wouldn't have gotten this individual out of the park. Anyway, moving along, the last three weeks we've had a number of issues at the detail. On 10-108, we got a complaint from a driver stating that he was being charged for airport runs by his dispatch. This is not the first time we have had these claims. And, as you know, last commission meeting I spoke to you about another color scheme that was doing the same thing. Myself and members from the taxi commission went to the color scheme. We did not kick down the door. We did not search the place like the rumor says that we did. We were admitted by the general manager. We were shown by the general manager the envelopes that were being collected from the drivers for gratuities to the dispatchers for preferential assignments. In the subsequent interview, we were told that this has been going on for 50 years and that everybody in the industry does it. Currently, we are doing both criminal and an admin administration on this case. I'm very concerned the 5A-7 is very clear about gratuities and says that they shall not be gotten. The company has 123 cabs. The average kickback is $10. You do the math times two shifts, that's $2,400 a day. That's if every driver wants to give a gratuity. Now, I've talked to several drivers from this color scheme and they said that they refuse to pay that and they also tell me that they do not get airport runs. So, I want to let every driver out there know that if they are being forced or they are being coerced to give money to get dispatched airport runs, please contact my office because we are going to do an investigation on any color scheme that does not comply with 5A-7. On 10-2, we had an incident at the Park 55 Hotel where a doorman arrested a cab driver after an altercation took place. We did an investigation on that. We were going to suspend the driver. However, after our investigation, we determined that the driver was not the primary instigator of this event. That the hotel was forcing or requiring the cabs to park in a red zone fire hydrant area, which is illegal to do, and then keeping the white zones clear for the buses coming in and picking up all the tourists. That was resolved with help from the general manager of the hotel and I don't think we're ever going to have a problem with that again. And on that note, I want to say that I am very pleased with all the hotels in the downtown San Francisco area. They are all extremely cooperating with us. We are having fewer and fewer events. We are getting very few complaints now from those hotels. All the complaints now are coming from Fisherman's Wharf area. On September 9th, we suspended a driver because he went to a color scheme and made threats that people would be dead. 
the person obviously is suffering from some kind of mental illness and looking into his background, we found that there were other incidents of violence, so he has been suspended pending a hearing. On April 12th, as I said, we had the games, the football games, and we had the issue with not having enough cabs there. On October 12th, again, we did another enforcement, and I will let everybody know that we are now doing two enforcements a week. So we are citing double the limousines now that we were a year ago. Also, bringing people and rotating them through our enforcement program, we are now starting to see stations like Richmond, Mission, and a few other stations. The officers are going out there and independently making these arrests on their own. So everything is starting to go up with regards to our stats, and I should have those stats for you at the next meeting. However, I did want to report that we had a hotel out at the Fisherman's Wharf area, and this is one we've been getting a lot of complaints on, so we went in in plain clothes, and we, in fact, saw them put two passengers into a limousine with no license plates. We made a traffic stop. There was no way bill, and the limousine did not have any proof of auto insurance. The difference in this one was these were two seasoned business passenger or travelers that used this particular hotel on many occasions. They had to be, their items had to be removed from the limousine while we took the driver into custody. We showed them how that the person had no insurance, had no license plates on the vehicle, and they became very angry, and their anger was at the hotel. So they are going to be writing corporate asking why they were put in a limousine that was not complying with all the law. So that gives us an idea that maybe we should prepare a letter to all these folks when we find them in illegal limousines that we can present the folks, not just like what we want to put on the cabs, but also actually give them a letter from our organizations telling them the inherent dangers of riding in illegal limousines. Most people do not know the difference. And with that, that pretty much concludes my report, unless there's any questions you'd like to ask. Thank you, Sergeant. Any questions? No questions, but I did want to comment. I believe you had a follow-up with that hotel, and since then they have retrained their staff, and they're not using that limo service anymore. You had that follow-up with them, correct? Monday was a holiday, and today I was doing something else all day, but they have called me, and I'm sure that they're going to take care of it. Welcome, Commissioner Tom. Nice to have you here. Nice to have a full complement of commissioners. I wanted to comment on the candlestick issue, because there's nothing like firsthand experience, and I always understood that candlestick was difficult for the taxis to get in and drop off and to pick up, and they weren't allowed in certain areas. But until I was in a taxi myself, and they couldn't bring you anywhere near where you need to go, and I think we really have to look into this. And I don't go out there much at all. I probably won't be out again for the year, but I really do understand this now, and there's got to be some way that we can allow taxis to just go in and drop off and come back out. When I see that they could have 
but they're not allowed to. It just makes it very difficult for me to understand why we're making it hard for taxis to go out there when, as the sergeant said, none of them are, they're sparks, you know, so let's encourage them to go out there. And I talked to a couple of taxi drivers later that day because I actually had to take two other taxis when I was in town that day. I do contribute to the industry here. But I asked them, do you go out to Candlestick? Are you planning to go out there? Both of them, no, no, will not do it. I can't get close, won't do it. So we've got to do something if we're going to encourage the use of the taxis out there. And again, it's only because I had firsthand experience, but I've heard it a number of times. It just didn't sink in how bad it was until just now. So I apologize to all of you. You've told us over and over how bad it is. I believe you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Commissioner Breslin, because it is a very difficult place to serve, extremely difficult. Most drivers see it as a losing proposition, and it's the smartest thing a giant ever did was moving out of Candlestick. But we still have these eight games of the 49ers to deal with every year. And it's a problem because you're stuck in the same traffic as everyone else, and it's a long way out there, and you don't tend to be in the neighborhood floating around, and it's just a hard place to serve. There's no doubt about it. Which is not an excuse necessarily, and we want to try to encourage drivers to play it, but there are some realities. Can I just say something? Sorry. I just want to comment briefly on the issue of service to areas like, for example, Candlestick or outer neighborhoods, is that part of the problem is the service, I mean, for whatever reason, but it's also become an issue with myself and with people. The fact that the dispatch isn't honest about whether or not there's ever hope of any service coming. And I think if dispatch maybe were a little more aware on top of it, if they could be, and being honest about whether or not you ever hope to get a cab in the sunset at 1030 on Saturday night, you could make other arrangements for people if they have that option. And that's just my comment on that, that dispatch needs to be a little more honest about. I think it's not necessarily always a question of being honest or dishonest. Quite often dispatchers don't have the information. A call can come in. If it hasn't been picked up, they don't know what to tell you. And so I sympathize with them in the position that they're in when a call is pending and it hasn't been picked up yet. Hopefully they're not leading you on in any way. They are trying to give you as honest an answer as possible, but quite often they don't have a specific answer is the problem in those situations. So I just want to just point that out. Anyone else? Commissioner Pack? I love to get a report from Sergeant Reynolds. I really enjoy getting the report from him. I just want to let you know that you wouldn't believe how much I really appreciate it. It really gives the full picture of what's, it's a realistic picture of what's really happening. Talking about that, I would like to follow up on the camera situation in the taxi cab that the percentage of the equipment not working, working so on and so forth. I think that we made enough of a roar last year with the cameras that most of the color schemes have got that situation pretty well taken care of. I get very few complaints now of the cameras not working. Plus also I'm teaching all of my enforcement officers. That's 
when they go for the A card, the badge, whatnot, check to make sure the green light's flashing and the camera's pointed backwards. So I think that it's just the whole combined effort between all of us that we have not been getting the complaints. And we've actually, I should mention this, we had a cab that picked up a fare and took him to Santa Rosa. And then at Santa Rosa, the guy jumped out of the cab, the driver gave chase, the rider pulled out a gun, and then robbed him of the rest of his cash. The cab was brought back to San Francisco. We were able to get the photograph and made the case. The guy now is in jail and pending criminal charges for robbery. So the camera did work. That's really wonderful because that was really important, that what was happening inside of the cab in terms of protecting taxi drivers as well as the rider. And, of course, good work like this really go unnoticed. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you. Anyone else? We do have to issue, though, the new camera specifications. There's still a lot of people with Raywood cameras out there. And for those people, you know who you are, and you were informed months ago that it's time to replace Raywood. So if I have to see Raywood in a cab in November, there's really going to be a problem. So we'll just leave it at that. Anyone else? Okay, I'll take one minute on public comment. If there's anyone that wants to public comment on the staff report or the commissioner announcements. I certainly appreciate with your problems, Commissioner Breslin, out at Candlestick Park. Gate D is a quarter of a mile from the will call gate. And for anybody who has any kind of mobility problems, it's completely untenable. We used to be able to pull up to Gate B and wait there, drop off and wait for a ride. Lots of times cabs would come in about the seventh inning of a baseball game and on the last quarter of a football game, and we would just sit and wait. But there's no way that I'm going to go down to Gate D and wait for somebody to traipse down a quarter of a mile. That is just, people are paying top dollar for door-to-door service that's a quarter of a mile away. Thank you. I am sorry you had that experience, but I'm so glad you you did. Good evening. I'm sorry to hear about the troubles at the 49er games. Excuse me. This is what happens. DPT thinks they're God of the world. We need to have Deputy Chief Para sit down and talk about what we can do and the new police officer, supervisor in charge, Candlestick, to do their job. We have to pay the extra money out of our budget because they're lazy, jerks, police officers out there. I'm not going to allow that kind of language at all. So just think again about how you want to speak. Okay, but then you need to stop the time. Think again how you want to speak before this commission, Barry Toronto. Okay. Would you stop my time? No. Okay. The officers out there, when you point out the illegal activity going on, there's a problem. There's a problem because they do not, they close their eyes and they do not do anything about it. So we have to pay the money, the extra enforcement money to deal with it. 
Also, in closing, there was a, there's a, a no-smoking rule that's being before the Board of Supervisors, and you're supposed to have discussed it already because it's going to come up again very shortly regarding the, um, the, the requirement that you already voted on. Thank you. Next speaker. Chairman Breslin, fellow commissioners, uh, very briefly I'd like to say is that I think Officer Reynolds is doing a hell of a job. I haven't seen this type of uh, investigation into taxi abuse in 10 years, 11 years. I, I, am, I would like to make a comment on the, on the football park is that the problem there is that there's no easy access in and there's no easy exit once you get there. A lot of cabs would show up if you could get in and out of the park easily, but you can't. Once you drop off a fare, you can't get out of there for 25 minutes, and once you, you can't get in on the lines. And secondly is that a lot of people don't understand that this business runs from on a cyclical basis all day long. There's a lull early in the morning, but late in the afternoon when the games get over, that's the same time where everybody has heavy demand, starting at the hotels, also at uh, Pier 39, Fisherman's Wharf. So it all kind of peaks at the same time. Last but least is this, is that I don't believe I've ever seen a hundred ramp vans at the airport, ever. Thank you. Next speaker. I'm sorry. This, I'm, I'm talking about my own opinions. It has nothing to do with another people. This is not the way you thinking, like cab drivers is like God, when the cab driver bring him a customer, everybody move. No, we are coming in here to serve the public. Candlestick people waiting for almost 45 minutes to hours. I go all the time. Those police officers are very pleased. They are very nice people, and they really respect me. Sir, we need a cab over there. If you are increasing, oh, we are have a problem. We don't want to go over there. All the cab driver is scared. Nobody want to go. And then who wants to serve those people? That is really sad things as a commissioner, she coming in here and mentioning those things. No, I've been in doing this thing for a long, long time, ma'am. I don't have no problems, and I am proud of each single of those drivers. I mean, all those officers, I'm sorry. Thank you. Quintessentially idiosyncratic is how I describe the uh, candlestick situation. You have eight games a year. Uh, it's right by the San Mateo County line, and there are 50,000 people. If you try to solve the problems with cabs, if there's an ongoing problem, you have one or two people getting into a cab. I think systematically, or systemically probably a better word, um, Muni has the resources to handle this problem. If so I would suggest to Paul Patricia, whoever the commission might consider, getting together with Muni if there is an ongoing problem. It's only eight games a year, and it really seems that the buses can put 50 and 100 people and get them out of there a lot faster. Thank you. For the record, uh, the customer survey that I've been submitting to you is for PCNN purposes. I was deeply upset to see Commissioner Slaughter disappear, gone in the abyss. I felt recently he was the only bright light in this black hole you call a commission. Oh, and I see um, our driver representative for life uh, is off to a, on another junket. The weather, weather must be good in Florida this time of year. And pardon me, um, what's an open forum? 
What's the purpose of this in-house form? Uh, I know MTA's purpose is to rack in the dough like racketeers. I think the uh, Taxi Commission should have an advisory group instead of the MTA. Uh, and just for your information, I have a new bone to pick with the MTA about parking in my neighborhood, just when I thought they were getting good. Uh, they pulled a Taxi Commission Heineke maneuver. Um, I know we should have definitely a compensation committee. I'm sure we could use one to cover the driver's backs. By the way, I don't see... Thank you. Anyone else? The Driver of the Year awards scheduled. Still haven't got this. I'm just going to submit this. I would just like to clarify. Excuse me, we don't really this need This is a stolen property. We don't need to take that I'm not gonna driver's light that license. Mr. Witt, yeah. take that back. This is a stolen property. You you admitted on the record that you stole it from a limousine. Okay. You're completely out of this order, Mr. Witt. Completely out of order. Not acceptable behavior. I would just like to uh, clarify for the record that the 49ers um, have worked uh, and the officers have worked real hard to try to make this system work. We have a way in. Yes, the, the gate is at gate D. We have a area that has chairs, has refreshment. We have a uh, small scooter, um, like a golf cart, that will take anybody anywhere that they need to get. So uh, the reason why we picked this particular area is we keep Ingerson clear. People can get in right off a third. They can go right back out and get on the freeway. And I know that it's working because I've been at the last two games, and last game I was out there keeping Ingerson clear of all the vehicles and then, get, and then citing and arresting all the illegal cabs and limos. So they do have a system. It does work. Uh, I just asked that the industry, of the drivers that come, I'll get four, five, six, seven times them coming back to pick up customers. The people that actually come and try it, most of them like it. So I would ask that other people that have made up their mind that it is not workable, that it is too much of an inconvenience, please give it a try since we've made some changes. Thank you. I, I didn't mean to disparage your efforts because I know things are a milestone better than they used to be. However, I'm, I'm wondering if, if maybe um, there could be added signage at the park or some way for people to actually know all of these benefits that you're saying are, are there, that they can actually get a cart to bring them down to that area and, and so on. So, so I, if I'm up here and I'm poorly educated on what I should do about going there, then it makes me think that uh, I need to um, further my efforts to, to add to that education process and work with a candlestick more. So anything that you can come up with would, would be appreciated. I have a couple of very good ideas. Uh, last game, they actually tried to bring in a muni bus. The biggest problem we have is the airport um, fares. A lot of fans will come, follow their team, and then they'll book an 8 o'clock flight. Well, now they're waiting 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock, and they're still in the parking lot, and that flight gets closer and closer. So they were going to have a muni bus that would actually take them to uh, BART, and the bus was just brought right into the taxi line. Not one person got on it. They all wanted to ride in a taxi because they all felt that that was the way to go. So we're constantly trying new things to try to get folks in and out of the park. 
But when it comes back to our diehard taxi fans, they want to be in a taxi and they want to be in a San Francisco taxi. Thank you. This will be the last speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. About 49ers, no matter how many efforts are made, you make 20 zigzag and you still say it's okay, it's not okay, driver has to make money and his speed is 75 cents a minute. Otherwise, you don't take even $150 home. What's the solution? There's a little piece of land right by the freeway. Get a bus, load the people from the st over there, bring it outside. I guarantee you, you bring it. 10,000 people, they will be picked up within no time. All the cabs flying on the freeway will jump in, get it, and go. They are scared to go in. We are asking them, if you can come in. But they say, no, we don't want. That's a 15 minute to go, 15 minute to come, a 20 minute, that's $20. I don't want to go there for $15 ride. So arrange that piece of land to be used as a substation right by the freeway. Load them in two, $300 for that one uh, game on the buses. Bring them over there. We'll take them. Thank you. Mark. <clears throat> Uh, good evening again, Commissioner Mark Gruberg. And I'm, I'm really heartened uh, to hear about uh, Sergeant Reynolds' investigation into the cab company uh, regarding the, uh, the payoffs to the dispatchers. Uh, this is something that uh, I have uh, commented on in the past, others have commented on, and it, it really feel, felt like crying in the wilderness. Uh, it really felt like nobody was willing to do anything about this, come to grips with it. And then some company apologists would stand up and say, oh, this is just tipping, you know, everybody's free to tip, it's all voluntary, blah, blah, blah. Don't believe it for a second. Money is being passed through these windows for two reasons. One is a driver wants favored treatment, and the other is a driver wants protection uh, against discriminatory treatment. That's exactly why this is happening. And uh, there are some noble exceptions, but in many of these cases, um, in some of these cases, money is being pumped right back upstairs to management. Thank I you. know that as a fact. Thank you. Okay. Public comments closed. Next item. The next item is consideration of proposed procedures for commission disciplinary and qualification hearings. So um, as you'll recall on your prior agenda, uh, there were some procedures um, that, uh, you know, needed to be, I had put some forward and I told you that I was going to clean up a couple typos and some formatting. What I ended up doing and of course noticing, um, you know, with the 10 day noticing requirement, what I ended up doing was combining everything into one document, except that I made a separate document for the um, qualification hearings for applicants. So what I did is under agenda item four in your packet, I have the current hearing procedures attached, which are the first, first two documents. And then, I'm sorry, the first three actually. And then uh, the proposed are the next two. And so, as you'll recall, the qualification hearings are new. So we definitely need procedures for those. And then your other procedures, you know, um, you know, just, just some things to clean them up as well as to bring them up to what um, we've been doing 
Although Municipal Police Code Section 1188 allows the Executive Director to review hearing officer decisions and make recommendations of his or her own before they come forward to the Commission, um, there's been some argument in prior disciplinary hearings and before this Commission, and uh, that argument is based on a Southern California Superior Court case. Um, I'm sorry, it's a Court of Appeal case, actually, based on a Southern California set of facts where basically it's a very egregious set of facts, as always a lot of these Court of Appeal cases are. But essentially, it was a situation where a, a, a person like an executive director was actually the one issuing permits, serving as a hearing officer, reviewing the cases, making recommendations, and then it was going on. So there was really no due process and no separation of powers there at all. And that case is the law in California. The facts, our facts are never going to be like that because we have different steps along the way. But bearing that in mind, um, I've elected as director never to make recommendations and serve as an advocate on hearing officer cases. I do explain facts and I present the cases, but I don't advocate. Um, you saw that recently with uh, Jeffrey Rotwine was here on a case. So um, I wanted the new hearing procedures to reflect that. And I tried to go above and beyond uh, with due process and really bring some formality to these proceedings. Um, it already existed in large part in the prior procedures, but these kind of go beyond that. Um, and just to outline for everyone's benefit, sometimes situations come up where it's like there's no procedure on record. And these, these are the ones that I've noticed in the time I've been serving here. So I would, I would really like to see these adopted. Um, if anyone has any questions about specific provisions, I'd be happy to answer them. I've had a chance to review them. I, I think they look good. I just, um, my question is kind of a general one. Have you have you made any real substantive changes in sort of the due process and the, the whole? Well, each one of these has a series of steps, and and I, I guess I'm since we don't have the format with strike throughs and and all that kind of thing. I know it's difficult to do that when you're when you're sort of re yeah restructuring these, but. Uh, is there's there anything you'd like to highlight in terms of any kind of changes, or is it mainly just restructuring and, and putting some things in a different order? Well, okay, first of all, with qualification hearings, I mean, that's brand new, right? We've never done that. So that whole thing would really be a substantive change because it's brand new. Um, it's things that you've basically been doing up till now, but just haven't been laid out, and certainly they haven't been sent to hearing officer before. So these are all new. Um, and this is all based on the code, you know, as far as what they, what of, you know, what the hearing officer should look for, requisite driving experience, etc. Okay, um, submissions that just mirrors, you know, ten double space pages, etc. That just mirrors what's happening in the other cases, and provides some clarity to people because even for a case tomorrow, you know, the attorney submitted voluminous pleadings and their single space and everything. And, there's nothing on record, and I'm not objecting to it by any means. He's, you know, whatever he wants to do, but it's helpful in the future. And if people want to go beyond, they can ask the hearing officer, and I'm sure she'll or he would grant permission. It's not a big deal. So, you know, these are just guidelines, and then people can, of course, ask, like any court, you can ask for, you know, exceptions, like, hey, I'd like to do 20, or, you know, it's not like somebody's going to be saying, you know, absolutely not under any circumstance. So there is some flexibility to the parties. Um, as far as uh, the hearing procedures for recommended decisions, disciplinary cases, and for summary suspensions, one of the issues there is uh, 
and this is a problem that a lot of commissions have. Um, you know, really there, there shouldn't be any communication between the parties to the case and the, the people that are going to be hearing the case. It's a quasi-judicial role. So that was just laid out. That goes for both sides. You know, that, that goes for both sides. So um, hearing officers shouldn't be calling up commissioners and talking to them. And parties shouldn't be doing that either. And commissioner... You probably know this from the Assessment Appeals Board. I mean, it's just not, you know, it's like a court. I mean, it would constitute ex parte communication. So, um, now. So you've added some guidelines for us in terms of uh, how much contact we should have be between anyone who has a pending case. and. Um, yeah, and these, these are from before, too. I, I think they were, there was some reference to this in the prior one, just not spell out. It's, and this is also from, you know, Sunshine Ordinance and Brown Act. I mean, there's there's many provisions that I just drew in from many sources mm -hmm. that are already, these are not something I made up, okay? Right. This is, you know, just pulling it all together. Um, additionally, uh, summary suspensions, there hasn't been anything up, up till now on that. So that would be, um, now, regarding the, the notice, you know, this came up recently, like the case tonight, for example, um, earlier, that, that you heard earlier. What has been happening is, is people want to get in as quickly as possible, and I'm trying to accommodate them. I've scheduled extra hearings, you know, anything to get them in and to accommodate them and to serve them with as much due process as possible. What ends up happening is people then come in and they say, I haven't had enough time to prepare. But ironically, of course, they are the ones, in fact, that wanted it on that day. So, you know, that's fine. We don't care if people want more time. It's just that, you know... There needs to be clearer guidelines. So the parties can waive the notice if they want to, but from now on, we're going to require all that to be in writing. It's, it's just we're not going to grant any more requests at all unless it's in writing. And so same for these. Like it says 30 days for a complaint. Someone could waive that and say, hey, you know, I want to have it in 10 days. As long as there's a hearing available and we can get the work done, it shouldn't be a problem. We're going to try to accommodate people as much as possible. But these provide a guideline and kind of outer ceiling on, on what's appropriate. Next thing would be, um, let's see, um, response and all that, presentation. There's really no, uh, oh, you know, there was one thing. Um, and this is, this is regarding findings. So um, we changed the five vote um, or two-thirds, we changed that, okay? Um, or, w well, when there's a vacancy. That's not going to be a problem for the next few months, hopefully, but, you know, we had changed that. That was brought up before by uh, a representative from Medallion Holders Association. Um, also, for uh, re-hearings, or whether for findings, we, we changed it, and this was in consultation with Tom. We changed it to state that um, the commission could actually... Uh, modify the decision without rehearing the case. So, in other words, if someone, if the hearing officer said, we think that it should be a suspension for five years, okay, whatever, five days, I don't know. So, yeah, actually, you could vote to modify it to make it three years, three days, okay, without rehearing the case. Yeah, because that, that just gives you more flexibility to assess an appropriate penalty without having to go through the expense of a hearing again and taking the witnesses and parties' testimony again. So um, that's it. Um, I think it's pretty cohesive now and provides a nice uh, framework for the commission and um, for MTA, too.
although the procedures there will be slightly different depending on the recommendations that um, are adopted from the TAG, which has some, I look forward to that report actually to you because some outstanding <coughs> recommendations have come from that group so far, particularly with regards to disciplinary procedures. Okay, any, any questions? questions by commissioners? First of all, my apologies. I have not read through this completely, so I'm just going to do a couple of spot questions I have. Um, on, on the um, review of hearing officer decisions, it's always been a five-vote requirement, hasn't it, to overturn or not uh, to the executive director? Or is that new? That no, it's always been that, but right now... Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm on page two on the flip side of Taxi Commission Review of Hearing Officer Decisions. Yes. The last paragraph where um, if there was a decision to overturn a decision, it says it takes two-thirds vote, which I seem to remember that it always did, although we haven't had many of them. But it says even if members are absent or disqualified, I guess that means if they recuse themselves. So that might be a, a Actually, that's on the current one, and the proposed one removes that, because if they're absent then or removed. Then yeah. I think I mis mixed up my piece of paper. Because it's okay. <laughs> I had it with my proposed. Okay, so this is not for the proposed. This was the current. And yeah, the proposed one is entitled Taxi Commission Hearing Procedures for Recommended Decisions, Disciplinary Cases, and Summary Suspensions. And on page four of six, it states that um, at D3, section four D3, it states that a two-thirds majority vote of the commission is required to reject the factual basis for the hearing officer's recommendation. So that's where, that's, what that does is give you more flexibility because basically what that's saying is, and you think about this conceptually, it's saying that there's been a full hearing on the merits, there's been a factual hearing, and so, you know, now if you're going to reject that and you find that there's some, you know, maybe some evidence has come out since, who knows what the circumstances could be, or maybe you just think that that hearing officer was not acting in the right capacity, it would take a, a two-thirds majority vote to reject the factual basis at that point. Okay. But it removes that, five, that, that absence, it takes that out. That, that's what I wanted to know. So a two-thirds vote of the committee members present, not of the full commission. Um, can't do that. Okay. So it does have to be that. I thought we talked about that. <laughs> what are you saying? Well, we'll have to discuss it later. Okay. okay. Well, in any event, for modifying the penalty, it's only a majority vote. And Thank that you. was acceptable, according to Tom. Yes. So, and then as far as voting to, uh, and you could impose conditions on the permit as well, again, a simple majority vote. So rejecting the factual basis seems to be the only issue. All right. And then I had one other question. You help me out if this is current or proposed. Okay. Idea. okay. Um, in the group that's um, one of four, and it's entitled Taxi Commission Hearing Procedures. Okay. On page three of four, um, 9B. That's the current? That is the current. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is is that, does that still exist? Because that, that troubles me if this is the current that if the commission does not act on the application within 30 days, the application is deemed denied. 
I would hate for our inaction to cause an application to be denied. And that's what we're currently doing. For re-hearings of cases? Yeah. Yeah, so... It's page 3 of 4 for taxi commission hearing procedures under 9 re-hearings. Yes, and no one has ever made an application for re-hearing, to my knowledge. At least under... I mean, no one has done that. If someone did, I would definitely refer that application to the chair, and then we would have to consider it. But no one has ever done that. I'm just curious as to why we have such a restrictive sort of thing that it's automatically denied if we don't hear it in 30 days. I can think of instances where that could come up, you know, even though it never has, but... I guess it would come up... I mean, most people just appeal the Board of Appeals right away. Oh, okay, so they go direct there. Yeah. They just go there within 15 days, which is a shorter time frame. So... Okay. Thank you. And as I said, I haven't looked at all... A lot of work has gone into this, I know, but just cherry-picking here. So on D3 itself, I mean, these need to be adopted because we can't... We need these procedures. We have several applicant hearings coming up. We just... We really, really need help procedurally. We need this. So can we amend D3 to state that for D3, on page 4 of 6 of the proposed procedures, to state that a two-thirds majority vote of the commission is required to reject the factual basis for the hearing officer's recommendation. The two-thirds majority vote shall apply even if one member of the commission is absent or vacant. It doesn't even need to expressly state that because the rule under the charter is whenever you have a two-thirds requirement, majority requirement, three-quarters requirement, it's measured against the full membership of the body. The only exception to that is that the commission can, by its own rules, say that strictly procedural matters can be decided by a majority of the full quorum that's present. So in this case, you can leave it just as it is and just construe it that way. Okay. So we don't need to make an amendment? No. Don't need to change it? It's ridiculous. Can you vote on it? I haven't gone over it line by line, but it generally looks good. Yeah. I'm prepared. Yeah. Mr. President, your microphone. I can't even hear you over here. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Like I say, I agree with Jordana that I think we need, especially some of these are sort of timely, that we need to put these in place. So, you know, pending any glaring omissions or problems with these, I'm inclined to go forward with these tonight. So if there is anything, tonight's the night to try to resolve it. I had a question about these decisions going to the consent calendar as opposed to the full committee agenda. That's a change, right? Okay. That's actually in Municipal Police Code Section 1188. So that's in there right now. So I was just trying to comply with the code as much as possible since that code actually, you know, dictates what we should be doing here. The MPC 1188 says that the hearing officer's decision go on our consent calendar? Yes, it does. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you
We oh. just haven't been doing that. We've been putting them on the agenda because we know they're going to be severed anyway. And so, you know, we just put them there. But, you know, in the past, I, I mean... I mean, isn't the consent, the definition of the consent calendar is items deemed to be routine that in general aren't going to be routinely severed? 1188 has a number of very unusual provisions, and I would count that among them. But it, it's kind of more of a procedure. I mean, it's not really that important. It doesn't take anything away from the decisions or anything, because, of course, anything could be severed. Yeah. Right. I just, I, I don't, I mean, I agree with you, and I think most things are going to be severed. Any kind of a thing that goes to a hearing officer is going to be not routine. It's going to be a... It's going to be a case that somebody's going to care about, whether it's the person involved or somebody else. So uh, that wouldn't be my only question as to whether it should be going to the consent calendar. Given that we can sever it, that's that's fine. That gives us that flexibility. But the consent calendar is supposed to be things that are not severed routinely and just considered to be sort of non-controversial. So I'm fine leaving it as it is. Um, as you say, the MTA will probably adopt their own sp sort of specific kind of ways that they deal with this stuff, but that was my only comment. Yeah, I'll take public comment on this. Is there anyone who would like to public comment on this uh, proposal? We'll take one minute. If there's something serious, we'll allow you to follow up with questions. Um, I, I'm concerned about uh, taxi commission hearing procedures uh, for qualification hearings for permit applicants. Um, uh, number three, um, excuse me, number uh, five, uh, burden of proof. Uh, burden of proof shall at all times remain with the applicant to prove his or her qualifications for the permit. It seems to me the burden of proof uh, in terms of A, uh, excuse me, 3A, uh, B, uh, does apply to the applicant. Uh, this is the terms in terms of supplying the necessary materials to demonstrate uh, the uh, compliance. But once you get into A, uh, A sub A, then it seems to me the, the uh, burden shifts to the, uh, to the commission uh, because if you're charging uh, fraud or, or wrongdoing of some kind, then, uh, then I think that the, uh, there has to be a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. Okay. That 5A is actually in the code. So, again, just tracking the language of the code. The hearing officer performs their own burden shifting like any court. They perform their own burden shifting analysis. So when the factual issues are presented to them, they then conduct the burden shifting depending on you know, who's making what argument. So in some cases, the applicant has the burden, and then, yes, if, if um, the applicant produces something yes. and that is alleged to be fraudulent and that is countered with evidence, then the burden shifts to that individual. But well, if, it, if, it's, if, if this is in, I don't see why that can't be in as well. Because that's not yeah. something that's in the code. That's just something that's just part of the administrative analysis that the hearing officer conducts. Okay, so. but okay, but but what what status does this have? Is this code? Yeah, that's this, in the this code. This is code, yeah. and this is based on. It's based on municipal police code. Municipal police code. Correct. So everything here refers to municipal police code. Yeah, well, the procedurals are that's you know 30-day continuance, et cetera. That's created by you know 
I, I made those up just determining, you know, what we did in the other ones. But okay. any times there's a there's a, a substantive reference to law, yes, it refers to the municipal police code. Okay. Um, I, my time is up. There were two other things that I was concerned about, uh, and I. I'd like to know your concerns. Could I ask uh, what they is, were? <laughs> something that, that concerns me is that the, uh, I don't know how to refer to the prosecuting body, but the prosecuting body should have, have adequate time to uh, put its, its case together and make its charges. But I think once those charges are made, then uh, there should be the same kind of burden as there is on the, on the defendant. You, you can't open up new areas. I, I think that, uh, that just is unfair. Um, and, the, and finally, uh, I, I would like to see, um, and, and maybe this again is something that uh, is, uh, is obvious by inference, but I would like to see uh, something that says that the that uh, cases have to uh, have to be brought by the prosecutor uh, based on evidence and not inference, and, and I, I think that's that, to me that's terribly important. Thank you. Can, can I just make a comment on the, the burden of proof? That was something that I had noticed too. Um, I think that we've talked. A, maybe mostly at the Rules Committee, maybe not here in front of the full body, but we've talked about the, the fact that waybills um, are kept such that and used to prove whether or not somebody can gain a permit. The waybills are, are so important to this that if that's the burden of proof we're talking about, that's going to be difficult until we restructure how the waybills are kept and keep them electronically or have them uh, issued in duplicates or, or something because if that's if if that's something that an applicant is responsible for that's going to be very difficult as we've seen you know. isn't that how it's been done all the time that's how they've been doing it for yeah. ever that's exactly the process. I'm just expressing my discomfort with putting a burden of proof on for for a body of documents that aren't in the possession of the person that we're giving the burden of proof to. I'm one of the people we were talking in the rules committee, right? So we have spoken yeah. about this, and and but until we set that process, this is the process. So to, to change that and to answer another question on my own or to state something is that this is not prosecution. This is we're, we're not we're not going to put somebody in front of a court and send them to jail. This is an application process. So naturally, the burden does have to sit with the applicant. You know, so you know it, it, it's not prosecution. So just to answer that yeah, question, <laughs> yeah, I would just echo that too. That if it if it wasn't with the applicant, then who would it be with? Yeah. Right. I mean, it would be w with the color scheme or the city or someone else. Then, so they. It's, <laughs> it's like a driver's license. You know, it's up to you to prove. Uh, I guess uh, then this is just a good moment to bring to light again that this is an ongoing issue, and and it needs to be addressed. And this is something a recommendation we'd make to the uh, MTA is this definitely the record keeping needs to be addressed. Carl, are you up to speak? I, I have one question. Oh, yeah. On summary suspensions, uh, I understand uh, when we get to C that you're, you as the executive director shall uh, 
serve a letter of suspension. Okay. And I understand, I, I believe the process will be you will uh, evolve the idea of the summary suspension. And what I read here is that you have five days before to calendar this before a hearing, before the commission. Is that correct? It's. It would be... I mean, in other words, this person will come well, for a hearing, but you have to file at least five days before the before we meet. The reason for that is because of the noticing, number one. Sure. But also because summary suspensions are total freeze on the permit. So right. we don't want to just leave a person, you know, there's many reasons that go into certain delays. The person might want it. There might be no hearings available, et cetera. But we want to try to get that person in for a hearing as quickly as possible. That's due process. That's a right to a speedy trial, right? That's basic. I agree. So that's what that's meant to I have no complaint with that. But then following up with that, D says that if, and uh, hypothetically, if you were to file something six days before, yeah. then this person has five days to come up with a written statement. But if you file on the six, six days before, there's no five days involved for him. And then, and then the next one, I, I, I don't understand even what that one means. It says, whether or not the commission votes to continue the summary suspension, a complaint of the facts rise to the summary suspension may be filed in accordance with these procedures. I, I don't have a clue. What, what that means about. is, like, you have a case, well, it's been continued tonight, but you have a case where the hearing officer voted, it was number eight, voted to continue the summary suspension, Okay. However, now that individual, I have to bring up a regular complaint. That was just the hearing on the summary suspension. Now we're going to go do a complaint, and it's going to be the same complaint because in his case, he hasn't done anything else that would cause me to bring a fresh complaint, mm -hmm. right? Because occasionally people will continue their violations yeah. during the pendency of the suspension. They'll drive on the suspension anyway. They'll go out and harass more people and get it. They'll do a black limo. I don't. They could do anything. So in that case, I'd bring a fresh complaint. In his complaint, in his case, it's going to be the same complaint. And I already spoke to his attorney today, and we're in agreement, same facts, everything's same. But, see, there are two separate complaints. The summary suspension, which is sudden, and oftentimes the police department and myself do not have, have all the facts. take immediate action, right. Or take immediate action. It's like public health and safety, or there's an unlicensed medallion, uh, driver driving a uh, cab, et cetera. Freeze everything. Then we get control of the situation. Then we have the hearing, you know, then there might be a complaint brought. And you guys have often said, bring a complaint against this person. But we have to make that determination at that point. So that's what that's meant to reference. Now, as far as the timing, I agree with you. I mean, that's just, this is where it gets tricky because on one hand, we have right to a speedy trial, which to me is the ultimate goal. But then on the other side of the coin, we have the responses. So how do you deal with that? That, that was something I struggled with, to be honest with you, when I, when I wrote these. I'm trying to get them in as quickly as possible. That's my goal. Because a medallion is off the street, or a driver is out of work, or a color scheme, and if, I can't imagine this ever happening, but color scheme could be subject to a summary suspension if it did something egregious enough. You know, like UNICAF, for example, probably should have been summarily suspended at some point. But, you know, th this, is, this is kind of a little, this is a problem area. Okay. So actually, though, a written response isn't really required of a person who's summary suspended. They don't have to come in with a 10-page or, um, you know. Yeah. Not required at all. They could just show up at show the hearing up. and say, hey, here I am. I want to get back to work. At that point, you know, you, you make a determination. Okay. 
this is meant to provide, you know, as much due process as possible. I mean, that really is the, the theory underlying this. Okay, we're still on public comment. Carl? I compliment staff on its meticulousness and the uh, diligence here. It's well written. I've referred to a section that's titled, I don't have the page numbers, Taxi Commission Review of Hearing Officer Decisions. And while it says review by the full commission is like a review at the Supreme Court. That's pretty cool. That's the but current, it, but that's okay. I know that. Yeah. It lists four things, and the third one is has to, gets to the point where the commission votes to rehear the case. And it gets down to the fourth one, and it gets back to the issue Tom Owen is speaking to, that it will require the full five votes. Well, obviously, if the person comes up for rehearing, you have a quorum of four. It's an impossible situation. And even five is not fair. Other bodies like Board of Appeal will grant continuances if the person has to have a unanimous decision to qualify. So I would suggest you might want to have some, say that any time there are fewer than six commissioners, the person would be entitled to, re, to have a, con, a continuance for the rehearing. Well, are you sure you were looking at the right one? Because that, that number four... That document that okay. it's on page two, right? That right. number four. That's right. the current ones. Oh, okay. That's yeah. all. I, I took this off the internet, so I thought this what we were. It was a supporting document I printed out today. That is correct, but and that's why there was a memorandum showing the current and I don't the have proposed. That. Okay. Yeah. So thanks. everything is there. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Just to clarify. But thanks for the compliment, though. That's really that's nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah. The, so the, we're okay with the two thirds, though, Tom. Right? Like the two thirds is settled, or. The way it's written now, it's okay. Correct. You don't have to have a two-thirds vote requirement where you don't want a two-thirds vote requirement, but if you do have a two-thirds vote requirement, it's got to be two-thirds of the full authorized membership. Okay. No, I would act up against the wall. We can make that decision. I thought it was charter. No, it, it's he's, right. it's, no, you can have, so that, the only way the five is referenced, the two-thirds is referenced, is to reject the factual basis. Oh. So you could have that be a simple majority vote to reject the factual basis. That would mean that only four of you. If you did that, that means the commission could get down to four people, and at that point, four people, because of absence or vacancy, whatever, and then four people could overturn the factual basis for the decision if you wanted to change it to simple majority. Tonight we're in great shape. We have a full commission, but we have been known to be down to four members quite often through the year. So with that said, uh, I would entertain that. So we would just eliminate if, our, if our city attorney is saying we can do that and Hopefully we would have full two-thirds. Hopefully we would have the full body. But if we don't, I hate to handcuff ourselves. If we say a majority vote of the commission, that still means a majority of the full seated commission, right? So it would be four. still be four votes. Yeah. And so if you had four votes, it would have to be unanimous if you had four people here. Right. That's not the, something like that should be. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can just... Eliminate the words two-thirds. And put in a simple majority vote. Change two-thirds to simple. Okay. 
on page 4 of 6. Yeah, that, that's actually better because on qualification hearings as well, that would give you simple majority as well on everything to, for that. Okay. Uh, good evening. Uh, there's a couple things. Are, uh, for example, so many suspensions. They came and took over my medallion and said, get lost, and uh, without any due process law. And then uh, one month later, they said, oh, you're not guilty. We give your medallion back. That's a too much power for a, a government agency. And number two, they never told me I can be rehearing against back to the uh, taxi commissioners. If I do so, uh, they didn't tell me, can I apply again and be reheard my case again? It's possible. And also, uh, for a month, I didn't have my medallions. We went in front of a hearing officers, and they said, no, Mr. Rahimi, you're not guilty. And she's not supposed to give that time my medallion. She knows she made a mistake, she gave me back. And that's too much power for a, a government agency. Thank you very much. What do you think? Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, Commissioners. The question is, there's one item which says for rehearing, when somebody asks for rehearing the taxi commission, if do not act on that application within 30 days, the application is considered denied. How are you going to act when the application, do you have to bring it out here, application, listen there, do some kind of rehearing and deny are just sitting in the office, application in the office, not coming to the commission, and it says denied. 30 days, nobody listened, so it's denied. That's what the clause says. Are you going to deny that application just sitting in the office? Which page? Or you have to do some kind of re-hearing here first, and then say, okay, we are not going to act on it. He actually raises a good point. I mean, the point of that is if people want to have it reheard before they appeal the Board of Appeals. So it's fine for them to have the determination, like this is on page 6 of 6, 7A is fine because they file it within seven days. They have 15 days to file at Board of Appeals. So it would make sense that they would file for rehearing. That would freeze everything. We would alert Board of Appeals, hey, they filed for rehearing, and Board of Appeals would then freeze their calendar. And then they, you, you would then have to act on the application for rehearing on the next available commission calendar. Um, that's what it should say. Right? Because it would be the... So it would... So the application for rehearing, I mean, there doesn't even have to be that step because, again, people just apply to Board of Appeals. Yeah, it's much faster to just go directly to Board of Appeals. I mean... You know, otherwise, the whole time, let's say you go to revoke a permit and it's out of, it's revoked. At that point, that's it. It's off the street. So if they ask for a rehearing, it's going to delay it even more. In fact, when they go to Board of Appeals, your decision is stayed. So they get to Board of Appeals and they get their medallion or their permit back, unless we make an application to have that, have your decision go forward, which we do in cases of public health and safety. So, Are you recommending a change here? And if you want me to go to other people while you think about it. Yeah. Okay. 
No, I'm sorry, you've spoken already. Your time is over. Yes. Yeah, I just want to speak to my concerns about the summary suspension. Um, and it, it just, it, I was reading over this, uh, uh, one of the agenda item number eight. I can't pronounce the driver's name, but it's, it's kind of a crazy case with the, uh, um, the driver making a left turn. And, and, and when I read this, there was this, my perception of, of what happened was completely different from the hearing officers from what I read here. And that's my concern about so much of this industry is not what it seems. Um, and that the, it, it, it's just like this, this driver took a trip to Hayward and he's found culpable for not going directly to the police station. And understanding the industry, if someone jumps in your cab and says, I want to go to Hayward, you're going to go to Hayward and then make a, make a report. The, um, uh, having been a, a company owner and, and I'm, I'm in the business, I'm always getting complaints. I'm hearing a lot of stuff. Nine times out of ten, people fault the drivers before they know the facts. Okay. I'm uh, concerned about that. Well, we're, is there, do you want to make a specific comment about well, a change you're recommending? Well, my, or? My, my, my main concern is that the summary suspension is too broad. It, it's and, and that it's it's Anything could be defined as being uh, a, a public safety yeah. issue. I understand your point that you're making, and I think to a certain extent we have to trust people not to abuse the summary suspension and that our executive director and the police department aren't going to be frivolously issuing summary suspensions. So what, we're, what we are sort of dealing with tonight are, you know, the procedures for how those are put in place and how that goes through the system. But I understand the point that you're making that, you know, maybe it's something that we have to keep an eye on, that it isn't abused or it isn't used unnecessarily or it's unfairly or anything like that. So I, I hear your point. I, I don't know that you're making an actual suggestion about what we're dealing with here tonight. It's a concern. Yeah. That's my, that's my point. Right. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> The tax industry is already way too over-regulated, folks, and you all know that. And since Giordano took over that position, executive director, I'm not really sure if we, you folks, if we're going in the right direction. I mean, I heard a lot when I used to live in a communist country about all these public safety issues. You've got to clarify for the public and for you and for everybody. If it's a criminal activities, probably yes, we should suspend. But if if before the you're going to charge the individuals uh, for, for wrongdoing, I think they should gotta have everybody have to have the due process. Okay, and I'm very skeptical about all these new recommendations that Jordanus is proposing all the time. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, public comment is closed. Anyways, um, I believe that rehearings should just be taken out. I think that the, the most appropriate method is they go directly to Board of Appeals. That serves them a lot better. It serves the Commission's processes, and it's in line with the Charter and provides more streamlined, efficient government. So you yeah. want to remove all of Section 7? Yes. Entire page 606. Fine with that, Mr. Owen? Yep. So 
absolutely done then. I think it's a good recommendation also. Um, okay. Any other questions or anything that's unclear on what we're going to adopt here tonight? Good work, Jordana, and uh, hopefully we can uh, have some uh, streamline this stuff a little bit. Is there a motion? Anyone want to make a motion? <laughs> we have a couple changes, so that we want to put those changes in the in the motion. You want the motion? Yeah. Motion to approve with changing on um, the Taxi Commission hearings procedure for qualification hearings for permit applicants 4D3 change it to a simple majority vote and then to completely delete 7 that's section C D or uh, is that Is that enough information for us? Yeah, no, okay. we know. what 4D3 is changing two-thirds to simple mm -hmm. and then eliminating seven. Okay. We have a motion. Is there a second? Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, we'll bring a copy to every hearing now. So we are now... We have items seven and eight to finish tonight. I want to. Eight is being continued. Eight's to be continued, right? Correct. Given the nature of the hour, let's go right to seven and then we'll decide on what we're going to do with ten. Okay. Item seven consideration of hearing officer's recommendation in Taxi Commission versus Scott Van Lubin, permit number 675. Consideration of decision to lift summary suspension issued for violations of rules 4A1 and 4A3 allowing unlicensed and suspended driver to operate his taxicab vehicle. And because this decision was issued prior to the adoption of any procedures regarding summary suspensions, um, what I did as a uh, due process, um, and it's really unfortunate that the uh, individual is not here anymore to hear this, but as a showing of good faith and due process um, to try to expedite this, the return of this medallion to the streets, um, I accepted the hearing officer's recommendation when she made it from the bench and didn't, you know, contest it or anything. I didn't feel that that was an appropriate role for me to be undertaking. So I, you know, stepped back from it and just she made a decision and, you know, myself and Sergeant Reynolds was there. We abided by that decision. We, we you know, we felt that we it was the best thing to do under the circumstances. So, so the summary suspension has already been lifted? Yeah. The medallion's been returned? Because we didn't have any procedures, so we just didn't feel that we could pick and choose, um, you know, which cases. For example, there had been a case just on that very calendar where an individual had, uh, you know, um, he had been summarily suspended, and there was a settlement between his attorney and myself at the hearing. And so, you know, we didn't feel as appropriate. I, I didn't feel as appropriate for me to be settling that one case on one hand and then on the other hand fighting this other suspension. So under those circumstances, I decided to just accept her recommendation on the bench. Okay. I felt that was appropriate, and I decided to take any heat from you, Commissioners, if you thought that that was not appropriate. We'll let you get away with it once, Jordan, and that's it. <laughs> I know. Well, now we have procedures now, so this yeah. is probably a once in a, you know, sort of a one-time situation. 
Yeah, because her okay. decisions are supposed to just be recommendations to you. So. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take public comment. Is there any public comment on this for one minute? Commissioners, I, I want to apologize. I did not mean to disparage any comments, but the, but the officers, when you go out there, sometimes greet you with disdain and block your way to get there. And it's not the way to, that officers need to greet you when, you when you need to go to the Candlestick Park. Anyway, I wanted to say, though, uh, in this case, I think shame on Mr. Van Luren for using a broker. And I think that you need to look also make sure you get a case regarding the fact that he put this medallion in the hands of, of an independent person, not separate from the color scheme holder, and that he was not knowledgeable of the drivers on the cab. The, I think that Sergeant Reynolds did not inform the, uh, other people about the suspended license because he needed to bring out the case of the broker situation. And I think shame on Scott Van Leeuwen, who's been a longtime driver and who I respect a lot, a lot, because I know him a long time at Luxor. But however, for him to, to feel he had to get greedy to go with a broker, I think needs to, needs to come out more in a separate case. And please ask for, ask for that. Thank you. It just should be noted that in this decision, uh, there's a paragraph that says, if the commission wants to charge Mr. Land Van Loon for noncompliance with the rules pertaining to how he manages the medallion, that those charges should be addressed in a separate complaint. Just, just to clarify that. Yes. Um, I just have a question. In, in, the, in the page one, it said, uh, Sergeant Reynolds did not notify any color scheme or medallion holders that Mr. Alessi's A-card and California driver's license had been suspended. So um, as a former color scheme holder and manager, it's, it's, it's hard for us to know on a day-to-day -day basis what's going on. And we do, you know, depend on, you know, we usually get something back. And I was wondering what was happening with this case, that, that the color scheme did, wasn't notified that this driver did have a suspended license and A-card. I think it went into the Julie Rosenberg's decision, and that's part of the reason why she decided in the way she did. Okay. All right. Anyone else in the public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Is there any other discussion or a motion on this? This. Yes. Um, just that comment about not notifying. Now, I know that there have been times when the sergeant has been on vacation or something. So is there a procedure in place when he's not here that, so that, it, you know, that doesn't get dropped through the cracks? Yeah. I know when he's here, he sends the information on. No, that had nothing to do with no. him being on vacation. Oh. That was, he was here. He was here. We were both here. We were especially swamped that week, and we just, we okay. had that case pending regarding that other individual. That decision is still pending and is expected to be issued this week on that particular broker. So, um, you know, that was part of it. Is There was a, a lot of things that went into it investigatively that we were, that contributed to that. But, you know, we, we, ex we both accept responsibility no, for that. This is out of the norm, though. You know, yeah, normally totally. We, we have yeah. a procedure, and if yeah, I'm okay. gone or he's gone, there's definitely a noticing procedure in place for that. Yeah. Okay. Is there a motion on this, Commissioners? No. This, the decision of the hearing Mo officer and the recommendation is that the, hearing, that the summary suspension be lifted. Motion to accept the hearing officer's recommendation that we lift the summary suspension of medallion number 675. 
Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? The motion passes. Okay, item number eight is being continued. Item number 10, um, given the hour and given some uh, concerns that have been raised about uh, um, what's here, I want to continue this item, but since it has been noticed for tonight, I, I am going to accept uh, or to take public comment on this. And uh, this, this item will be re-agendized because it is a, an issue that we have to deal with based on certain directives from the Board of Permit Appeals and just to clarify where we stand as a commission on permit applicants and their relationship to the same rules that we allow for um, permit holders. So that's what this question is about. I don't want to deal with it tonight, given the hour and given some of the concerns that have been raised, but I will, uh, this is agendized, take public comment if there's anyone that wants to have public comment on this. And you will be allowed to speak if it's, if it's uh, brought up at another time, but I will just allow one minute tonight. Uh, good evening again, Mark Gruber again. Um, I, I do have some concerns with this. Uh, I, I do think that the, the current ADA policy, as it applies to permit holders, uh, should not and really cannot apply to permit applicants. It would just be way too unwieldy to have these uh, 4,000 people who don't know when they're, they're going to get to the top of the list constantly applying every time they uh, have to take a few months or a year off from from uh, from work. That, that, that doesn't work. On the other hand, I think you do need some ADA policy for permit applicants because this is the ADA law. This is a you know a, a public um, uh, uh, program that requires an ADA policy, and uh, I, I have some ideas on this, but I'm, I'll save them for the next time. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else? <coughs> Okay, public comment is closed. Jordana, do you want to ha have any comment on this? Or? The only thing is that um, when I made it, I forgot to put in P16 and P68. P68 is a ramp permit. So okay. the only thing is I'll amend it next time for to say that. Okay. It should reflect both permits. It's not like we're going to do something for ramps and not do something for the other or vice versa. Okay. Uh, I think that's what covers it. The last item, yes. adjournment. Meeting's adjourned. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Tom, for your first meeting. Yeah, congratulations.